0: My name is Giovanni Loloher and welcome to the Thought Plantation Podcast, the show where we harvest perspectives through conversation. If this is the first time listening to the podcast, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter for all the updates and announcements for episodes and guests. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. all the way back to the beginning can you yeah, talk sure. a little bit about sort of where you grew up and sort of yeah. uh, your journey to australia
1: yeah fire up that's that's a super long journey yeah. <laughs> try not to uh, try not to give all, all the details but um yeah i grew up in um in mount wellington i was born and raised uh for the first five years in, in uh on hunger um and then, uh, unfortunately, my parents split, and my brothers and I went with my mum to Mount Wellington and just stayed there um, pretty much for our whole lives. Um, and I stayed there until I was about
0: mm, 25. Oh, 13? yeah.
1: <laughs> Something like that, maybe 22, um, until I moved out uh, with my partner. And yeah, I guess I, yeah, grew up in Mount Wellington. <laughs> went to Catholic schools um all the way through a good Catholic yeah good Catholic boy good good little and, Catholic um, boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah I guess just did all the normal things that hmm. uh, a little Catholic Tongan boy might do um play rugby yeah uh, go to school try and do do well at school and <laughs> and um yeah just live a Tongan life with like three older yeah. brothers um doing their own thing
0: and are you the youngest
1: yeah i am the youngest you're the youngest the youngest all of right. my of my four brothers and then um uh we a long while later when i was about 10 my um my dad had my sister
0: okay so, so um, you, you became not the youngest anymore and <laughs> yeah not the youngest anymore. yeah yeah
1: yeah she took my spot which Damn. Um, i don't mind at all
0: so you mentioned uh you mentioned before that you played a bit of rugby and you kind of you know our our sort of conversations before through email. You mentioned that you played rugby in in France for a bit. Was it France? Yeah, how yeah, how how long were France. how long were you in, how long were you there for?
1: Um, pretty much just a season, so about a year. Um, and it just came about pretty much through a bit of dumb luck, really. <laughs> um, and I guess through my own interests, I I just really loved French at school, and so. Um, when it came time to choosing subjects, I was like, I want to do French forever. You know, like mm. I want to um, really learn this language. Um, and so I did it all the way through um, to 7th Form. And uh, right in, at the end of that year, um, my French teacher came to me and she was like, yo, I've got this email from someone. It's the president of a club in France and he wants um, he wants rugby players. And I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, yeah, but she wants, uh, he wants uh, rugby players that uh, speak a bit of French, uh, at least a little bit, um, so that they can kind of handle life and, and pick up a job and mm. all that kind of stuff.
0: Sort of fit into and the so society.
1: It turns out I was the only uh, <laughs> rugby, rugby player in my school and pretty much any school in Auckland, apparently. They spoke um, French. That did French and was also in the first 15. Wow. So. <laughs> So it was me. It was Um, almost like it was meant to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And like things like that and a a bunch of other things in my life, I feel like have been that way. Um, Oh, nice. I've kind of been open to opportunity and opportunities have come and I've said yes and I do it and that's kind of... um, how certain things um, turn out for me. You
0: kind of have to be, right? You kind of have to always be open to new opportunities and new experiences. Otherwise, you know, how how would you sort of broaden your horizon or sort of be available to sort of achieve those opportunities, you know? So for sure, I mean, you always have to be open-minded about these things. And I guess that's a, I was listening to a different podcast before um, and they they were kind of talking about why there's not a lot of Basifika people keen to sort of go overseas or do these big OEs, and it kind of hit me. I was like, actually, that makes, yeah, not a lot of people do. I mean, unless you're going for like a rugby scholarship, you know, or you're getting a scholarship overseas, you kind of, you know, you graduate high school and you kind of just stay within your own little patch, you know, maybe you'll move. I mean, yeah. I don't really see a big difference moving from, well, not a big difference, sorry. I don't see a, that being a big leap moving from like, say, Tonga to New Zealand because it, it's fairly close, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. proximity. But having to jump from New Zealand all the way to france which is almost the other side of the world must have been a big change for you so how how was that how was that transition moving from mount wellington all the way (laughs) all the way to france What, what was that like
1: uh it was pretty nuts man like i feel like um i guess i was really lucky to be so naive i guess i didn't really understand how the world worked and i kind of just I was yeah I was really naive and, and I have a uh, had and have like a reasonably optimistic kind of outlook on how things will turn out for me and and life in general and so when I look back I I can only think of good times and really trying to enjoy all the little parts of the journey um, like traveling
0: <laughs> yeah traveling yeah. as a
1: like new newly turned eighteen um, at the time wow. Uh, by myself across the world had no real experience of like um you know long distance travel mm. um got lost in airports by myself <laughs> and at my stopovers in hong kong and frankfurt like just
0: oh man
1: you know like oh no of course idea. oh no i can
0: i can relate a, i was a child i i can really i mean i wasn't a child but i remember um this is back when my mother was still living in the states with my younger brother and we <laughs> me and my wife and my kid wanted to visit so i actually (laughs) i actually booked our flights sort of while i was still in nursing school and unfortunately i had booked our flights before my final exam so (laughs) so i had to send them first and then i had to come back after but there was no it was during thanksgiving so i was on a standby flight from la and i was supposed to go from la to san francisco and there was obviously thanksgiving day there was going to be no flights whatsoever so i ended up taking this this random ass vehicle to like somewhere in south la dropping my nuts say just looking at i was like i'm going to get shot i'm going to get shot i'm going to get shot and i ended up taking well it's like a what a, almost like an 11 hour flight from new zealand to the states and then from a, a bus ride from san, from la to san francisco was another 10 hours worst worst traveling in my life it put me off traveling completely and i'm I'm yes, pretty i'm pretty happy about <laughs> i'm pretty happy just to stay where i am I don't, I don't i think i'm one of those rare people who don't have this need to travel, need to travel. i guess mm-hmm. i mean i wouldn't say no like listen someone buy me a ticket hint hint you know i may yeah, yeah. i may go <laughs> but um no I, I don't have this big need to sort of go overseas. But that's just me, right? There's a lot of people I know yeah. who, who who would love to have this overseas experience. And, and you know, don't get me wrong, going overseas is, is a great thing, right? You expose yourself yeah. to new cultures, you expose yourself to new norms, have your own sort of, you know, ideas and beliefs challenged quite a bit, you know, running into oh, different people. So it, it's, it's a good thing. So you, yeah, you spent sure. spent that time in, in, in France, how long were you there? Just like a year? One season? Yeah, so
1: yeah, just one season. And um yeah, I, I was super lucky, like you're saying, about exposing yourself to different cultures and people. Mm. Um, I was super lucky to um, be put up, like they put me up in, in a, uh, an accommodation. And um, it just so happened that the same club grabbed people from uh, maybe two or three guys from the United Kingdom, so Scotland and England and other places. Nice. Um, so, and actually, three Fijian guys. um so up? Bullard to those guys. Um, <laughs> There, and we all lived like within like two or three blocks of each other, mm. and so within that whole time, like I wasn't super isolated. Oh, I nice. had like this community of like people from around the world, and actually two Moroccan guys, <laughs> all in the same this like international team. Yeah, it's like I don't know if you know about like French rugby, but like the high the top echelon teams like Toulon and mm-hmm. Toulouse and Beirut, they're all made up of like international. Oh yeah, of from course.
0: Everywhere,
1: and so this president guy of this really small town was like I can do the same <laughs> except <laughs> except he grabbed like students like myself I hadn't actually been to university yet mm. um, but he grabbed young guys like me and, and a couple of other guys that had not started university to fill his team and um, yeah we we enjoyed ourselves we kind of, of went out and, and had a great time in the in town and over time people got to know us and I had a massive effort at the time, so I was a bit of an attraction. So you, so you stood bit, out, eh? A bit of an yeah. attraction, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> some of my favorite comments were like, Jackson Five! Jackson, Jackson five. five! Yeah, yeah.
0: And it'd be like, wee wee! Wee wee!
1: more, that's me, man! Yeah,
0: yeah. Don't believe it on
1: the sunshine, everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, were you singing yeah. at the time? Were you, were you singing at the time? Nah,
1: man. So, uh,
0: no. I, no, like, not then.
1: Short, uh, short answer: No, no one really, apart from my family, and you know, random people mm. at church, yep. will have heard me sing. Okay. Um, and I, up until yeah, later on, I had never really tried to stand out in any way. In that way. Um, and, but especially in, in singing, I okay. never really sang. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll get we'll get to the the singing stuff very shortly. But actually, yeah. I'm actually still keen to sort of learn about because you went to france obviously and then you came back to new Mm. zealand and obviously you know got with your partner and decided to move to australia i'm always curious Mm. what was the big push to move to australia was it for job opportunities or was did did your partner get a scholarship or something What, what was the thinking behind that
1: yeah so um at the time my wife had just finished university she had had her first year of um i uh, can't remember what it's called house officer oh the yes first year of being a being a doctor at being a house hospital. officer yeah 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 Yeah, at um middlemore actually oh nice um which was brutal <laughs> um to say the least but um yeah and which she really enjoyed like she loved middlemore and, uh, mm. but it was like the the time and the all, all yeah. the kind of yeah, house, that house
0: officers get it pretty hard you know they have to do shift Ooh. work and then they have to do on call you know, they kind of looked on to do all the the jobs the consultants don't want to do. So, oh, it's, 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 yeah, a tough, yeah. it's a tough it's a tough period for a lot of doctors. I I find, yeah,
1: yeah, super tough gig. So she had just finished that year and um, had already applied to get a job here. And the big draw to come here is that, um, literally, right at this moment, uh, I live about mm, let's say three meters away from um, her parents, <laughs> and at the time. Uh, Her grandfather was very, very old and like ill Mm. Um, and we realized that there wasn't really much time that we could spend with him. And so that was the other major draw um, to come here. So she applied for the job and then got the job. And we were like, yeah, sweet. Let's do it. Let's go and spend time with Grandpa while he's still around, Mm. Um, which all really worked up because we were here for about a year and then he passed away so okay. um yeah it, it was kind of uh meant to be
0: yeah 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 no no that's yeah. good and, and and you know i'm sure he would have appreciated you know you guys spending the, that final year with him and stuff like that es- oh, especially absolutely. your your wife as well and and yeah, your child was sure. would have been born by then i'm sure right ah no 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 we, we after
1: no not at that time he's only 2 so oh
0: he's um, only 2 oh goodness
1: and we came we came here about 7 years ago Oh, man, um, even there, you,
0: have you have to revoke your New Zealand passport, now You have to revoke your New Zealand passport now, my friend. I'm, oh. I'm sorry to say, nah, man, you're now bro. Aussie. <laughs> no, <Nah, man.
1: laughs> you're not the only one, man. My brother's give me a hard time all the, all the time. Every uh, time we talk, they're like, I, oh, a little bit of Aussie twang. There. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh,
0: yeah. My cousin, my cousin lives in Melbourne. He's he's the same. mate eh? I don't even think it took him yeah. that long to sort of get this this Aussie slang. Like, yeah, mate, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's mate. like, stop it. So, you stop it right now. You stop <laughs> yeah, you, that right you, now. You don't sound like yeah, that. It's not yeah. a real voice. <laughs> You're trying to fit in a little bit too well. You're trying to yeah, fit in a little yeah. t- Shout out to Stan. Stan in, uh, in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Stop, Stan. Much love. <laughs> so, um, like, Australia you know, obviously is not, is what, a two hour flight really from here, yep. probably from here to Sydney or something like that. Yep. And I know there's a lot of similarities, but being there for like mm. the last seven years, how? What differences have you noticed, you know, living there as compared to sort of New Zealand? Aside from the people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I don't I, want this to turn I, into like a New Zealand, nah, Australia bashing sort of thing, but I, I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs>
1: well, no, nah, like, um, to be honest, I probably spent the first three or four years, <laughs> which is a long time, yeah. um, doing that in my head, like kind of, because I had so much built up uh just a lifetime of kind of hating australians really it's a competitive um, thing right mainly, older brother younger brother sort of, of thing of sports yeah mainly, of course yeah sports, of sports for sure uh all blacks versus wallabies mm. when i was growing up wallabies were balling oh like, yeah they were doing really well um yeah they'd crush our hearts lots um, <laughs> and so uh i do not really i guess that i had a massive ignorance about australian people and and australian general um and so I guess that's what I based my opinions of Australians when I came. Um, now that I've been here for a long time, I guess uh, small parts of those opinions have been affirmed. And then a lot of them have just been kind of thrown mm. in the in the wind, you know, because um, just like any ignorance or uh, not knowing about people, uh, you just have to get to know people in order to or spend time uh, mm. in order to get rid of those. So, um, yeah. Uh, I guess you know the the big thing is like racism is it real for sure Mm. Uh, definitely in lots of parts of Australia especially towards Aboriginal people Mm. Um, uh, I'm lucky to live in the Gold Coast I feel because it's a it's a like a small it's a small New Zealand really yeah Um, when I first arrived I got haircuts at three different places guess what or from New Zealand. All, new, all Kiwis, For yeah. 20 years. Have the same same story, which I now have, which mm. is, oh, I came here for this or for a year, yeah. and then I stayed because yep. it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess just living here. Differences, I guess multiculturalism, massive difference. Mm. Not nearly as multicultural. Um, so strange to see, uh, I guess... Uh, Balangi people doing all the, all jobs mm. every job mm. you know what I mean like in Auckland for sure when I was growing up like all the all the this job is done by these people and all the this job is done by these mm. people um, different cultures mm. and here Balangie people do all the jobs mm. and and you know just there are just pockets of um communities that are multicultural and there yeah. are not yeah so that's
0: definitely another difference. No, no, that makes sense. And, and that sounds like a good thing, right? Because it sounds like things are yeah, more spent sure. equally across the spectrum as opposed to little pockets. So I don't know if that, well, actually, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether, <laughs> you know, if you think about certain yeah. jobs, yeah, you know, absolutely, it's kind of sure. catered towards more sort of people on the lower economic scale of things. And yep. if, if anything, I, I do know for a lot of the people that's moved to Australia, their the opportunities seem to have sort of broadened. You know, whether it's because more oh, sure. availability of the work out there, or yep. I wouldn't say it's less competitive, but I guess more more opportunities, I would say, as yeah, opposed to sure. um, less co- competitiveness. So that's a good thing. Did you find 100%. the tra- Did you find the transition from Australia to well, New Zealand to Australia easy, or was it sort of like, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm I'm Kiwi until <laughs> I'm gonna sort of have one one foot on at the airport, ready to come back at all times, or was it? After a couple of years, you're like, no, no, I'm I'm pretty much going to stay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, I guess one of the main reasons why we've stayed is because as soon as I got here, I could see the massive, huge difference in uh, work for my wife, especially. Hmm. So she went from, you know, like middle more hardcore house officer life to, you know, just like a 40-hour Wow. Yeah. which is still intense, but uh, not nearly as taxing mm. um, as it was um, in New Zealand. Mm. And so as soon as I saw that, I was like, man, we, we can't leave. Man. Mm. We can't leave, especially for you in this beginning stage of your career, of her career. Mm. And so it was kind of a done deal um, from then on, really, yep. for me. Mm. I always wanted to see, I always wanted to come back to New Zealand Uh, To visit, and Mm. because because I'm a teacher, and I have like um, school holidays, I could always do that, like two or three times a year, and that kind of replenished my, you know, my tank in in terms of like emotional, my emotional needs, and and um, seeing my family. So
0: just touch back in the motherland for a wee bit, and then recharge the batteries, and then head back out there. I mean that makes sense, man. You you mean I mean that makes a lot of sense in terms of being able to sort of justify you know, being home, which is always nice and comfortable. But also, I'm guessing the lifestyle in Australia is a lot more, I wouldn't say the word, I don't know if the right word is affordable, but I guess more chill, I guess, in terms of the kind of work that you do. And I mean, definitely definitely income-wise, I know that Australia does pay a lot more comparatively to New Zealand. So, I mean, that makes sense, man. I mean, that's why... I'm guessing that's why a lot of people move there in the first place is yep. to yep. pursue that and once you get it why would you try and absolutely and i guess that's something on new zealand though right we have to be a little bit more competitive in those spaces because you know it wasn't that long ago it, it may have been around that seven year mark eight year mark where there was just a massive migration of all our skilled workers just moving to australia just because you know it just no one could sort of achieve what they wanted to here, whether it's lack of opportunity, lack of resources, lack of funding or supports. But I can yeah, definitely see sure. why people move in, and stay. Yeah you know, in Australia.
1: Like, yeah. I think like one of the things I missed about the differences is like that's one of the major differences is in education where mm-hmm. where I work, I I felt it straight away. And I know, like I realized for my wife, it was the same. It's just Mm. resource. Resources are plentiful here. Mm. And that could be, you know, human resources or, and just financial resources are just plentiful. And that means that people who come from New Zealand who want to just really just work as as hard as they were Mm. in New Zealand can really make something of themselves here. Mm. Um, And it's a comment that, um, I've heard from lots of different people in any yeah. sector that have come from New Zealand and are working here that they're super valued because mm. of how hard they work and um, what they can offer, mm. whatever industry that they're in.
0: So, what does that mean for like people who are Australian? Then, is there like a big competitive nature between sort of New Zealand migrants to Australia and sort of Australians that are, I guess, born there? You know, in terms of jobs and things, because. If that's mm-hmm. the case, where Australia tends to sort of value high-skilled work. And, and same thing for nursing, man. You know, all over the world, New Zealand is, yeah, is held sure. as quite a highly sought-after sort of nursing skill. Um, yeah, you know, you time. just have to go to, like, even Australia, you go to the Middle East, you know. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. lot of New Zealand nurses working there because they're actually headhunted to go. Yeah. Do you, do you sort of okay. see a lot of pushback or sort of hear a bit of pushback from sort of the Australians living there about sort of all these people moving and, you know, not just, you know, taking our jobs, <laughs> taking <laughs> yeah, yeah, our yeah. jobs, yeah. sort of thing? Is, is yeah, there sort right. of, is it, I mean, because I know in terms of Australia and New Zealand, I mean, there's so much crossover, so much long history between us that it's, you know, people outside of our own communities will be struggling to find out, are you a New Zealander or an Australian? You know, it's it's it yeah. be quite hard to tell yeah. the difference. But within sure. within those communities, obviously we we can tell an Australian, an Australian can tell who a New Zealander is. Yeah. Is there a bit of do you think there's a bit of resentment between this mass immigration of New Zealanders taking jobs in Australia?
1: Um I feel like um much like it is with any other kind of controversy or like conflict there'll be maybe like a 20% yeah. of people who have that mad resentment and mm. um, uh, angry at people for coming and taking their jobs. And then the mm. rest of the people kind of form like a bit of a camaraderie, you mm. know, like, um, yeah. Oh, that's a good I know thing. That's, for, that's, that's, how it, that's how it is for me and my, mm. my job. And I haven't really heard of, other, of mm. any stories of people um, saying that, mm. um, you know, Aussies are upset about mm. this and that.
0: No, yeah. neither, neither, and I guess I'll w- I just curious because you, you know, you being there already, and I'm just wondering because I mm. haven't heard of anything. You know, I mean, mm. maybe because it's so easy for us to come back and forth through New Zealand and Australia that it's we're just seen to be just a normal part of Australian life and culture, most likely. Yeah. Know? So yeah. obviously, you know with the coronavirus. Actually, I'm so tired of talking the coronavirus, actually. <laughs>
1: uh, but Dude, uh, first, uh, yeah. I'm sure everyone is, you I'm know. I'm so like tired it's... of
0: talking about it. But but it's still yep. something that we kind of have to talk about, I guess is, is, is the right word to think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's still yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's still it's still a thing, right? God. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't see it. You know, it's going to be one of those things we're going to be, you know, 20 years down the line. Like, do you guys remember the coronavirus? You know, you think Absolutely. your lives are hard. <laughs> You're telling yeah, our children, you know. <laughs> you didn't live through COVID. You don't know. You don't know the um... difficulties.
1: <laughs> Sick accent, by the way. I don't know. Yeah. Do, that's, my I elderly, I... that's my elderly. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, my elderly. That's my elderly voice. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, that little husky I little. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I like it's, a ter- it's a that. It's a terrible... <laughs> It's 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 a. You gotta do the
1: uh, no teeth, but you gotta. Oh no yeah, teeth, had to tuck in oh, tucking
0: my lips up, bit. yeah, that's probably where <laughs> I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, what's well, uh, was well, there a lot of support out there for Kiwis in Australia? Because even before COVID, you know, I mean, there was always this controversy how New Zealanders don't actually qualify for some of the benefits ah, right, and yeah. stuff that Australians have. Was that lifted slightly during COVID, or was it? Was a, was the Australian government quite clear that we're not going to be changing much?
1: Um, I can't say for sure Mm, because, mm. um, I've been protected by my teacher bubble, you know? Okay. Nice. um, being, you know, like, and all essential workers are kind of protected under, you know, Mm. the ability to continue to work. That's right. But from what I know, um, the job seeker kind of, um, or the job keeper, I think it's called, um, what you would call that Stim- stimulus thing the that stimulus. came out? Right. Well, was available to New Zealanders, especially if they had been working here for a certain amount of time. Oh, excellent. Um, because it just wouldn't have been fair otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they were able to get that. So. Okay,
0: that's a yeah. good thing. Because that, yeah, you know, it's it was, it was, it was always a concern because, you know, with major events like this, you know, um, you kind of want to know that you can rely on the government to a certain degree to sort of just get you through the tough times, you know, and. Um, Absolutely. The last thing anyone would want is to sort of realize you're in a, you're in another country and you don't qualify for jack shit. You know that yeah, that's probably be the worst thing. So so it's yeah. good it's good to hear that you guys sort of qualified for the um for the stimulus package. So that's a good thing. Um, for sure. What about the what about all the Pacifica people out there? What's is, is there a sort of a difference between the Pacifica people who grew up in Australia, and New Zealand? Is our humor the same? Our accents are definitely not the same. That's for sure. <laughs> accents is
1: uh, out of this world. Brother. It it, it is. <laughs> I, I
0: enjoy it. I, I actually really enjoy it. every time I'm on a conversation too, with man, one of my see. um my cousins in Australia. Like I just, I don't know. It's just so, <laughs> it's funny, and yet I find it very entertaining to hear them tell me a story about something. You know, it's just oh, yeah, it's great. I don't know. The Australian accent is 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 hilariously hilariously fun to listen to. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a
1: little bit jarring at first. I feel. <laughs> Because it's like, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> this you doesn't sound like, right. <laughs> We're related, but...
0: Mm. <laughs> but, you know, like, that's just... Yeah, of course. That's just accents everywhere. Like, accents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of culture-wise, is there sort of, like, a, a any differences between sort of New Zealanders, Australian, Pacifica people?
1: Um, I think it's, like, a uh, degree of separation from mm. the islands... Mm. Um and, and it I'm sure like just um, varies from family to family mm. and whether there is actual kind of separation from from back home from Tongan sure. or wherever people come from but from what I've noticed it doesn't really seem to be that much of a difference no. Um in terms of like humor and stuff it's mm. all the same because if you grow up in a Tongan family or Samoan family mm. then you'll just you know crack up anyways you yeah. just like yeah. each other and you do do whatever you do it's just an australian accent yeah in australian yeah. terms
0: same like, mocks yeah same humor yeah, just a just different accent humor, yeah
1: different accent um and you know depending on mm. who who the family is um same values and same kind mm. of upbringing and that kind of thing mm. um i guess there's definitely there's definitely like a different flavor of um pacific island kind of culture here um Especially um, families that have been here for generations. Um, definitely not. I, I don't know how to put my finger on it or kind of describe it well, but yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a slight difference for sure.
0: Okay, but as I, as can't really say what it as is it would be, be right as it would be. Yeah. it all over the place. Yeah. Did they have like a very strong connection to culture? I mean, in terms of Tongan culture, in terms of like traditions and things like that happening here oh no that's fine um do you notice whether they've um you know I, i'd say i've had like previous conversations about sort of like you know we speak about tongans in particular tongans growing up in mm-hmm. new zealand and tongans growing up in tonga you know and then there yeah. is there is a difference in terms of oh he- yeah you know, absolutely you no know, there is a difference yeah. in terms of sort of like certain belief systems certain things that people do um yeah. For my for my experience, I've noticed that some of the Australians tend to sort of, you know, really push that culture stuff quite high. You know, they really tend to sort of really want to be involved in the and culture. They want to sort of learn as much as they want about it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Is that something you've noticed as well while you've been down there? I
1: think it's something that I've seen increase just even in the, um, like, seven years that I've been here. Mm. And, like, going back to the differences is, like, um, like I know myself, um, my Tongan language is pretty terrible. Um, even though I grew up in a Tongan household, my mom, mm. my mom and dad mostly spoke Tongan to me, but I responded in English. Yeah. Um. So I understand a bit. Like I think there's a definitely a lot of that perhaps here, mm. um, more so in New Ze- more so than in New Zealand. And then I think of a, the average Tongan child here in, in the Gold Coast or anywhere in Australia. The difference really is that um, the culture you could you could say in or their culture <clears throat> in New Zealand is really celebrated mm. and um, is visible and it's everywhere you go, especially within Auckland, South Auckland, West Auckland, yep. East Auckland, yeah, um, uh, in every school. You know, there's mm. flags and there's culture everywhere, celebrated like every day, every week. Mm. Um, and the big difference especially in education here, I've noticed is that this is not the case, and that um, in Australia, you're encouraged to be Australian, Mm. and to um, be proud of being Australian, and so um, if people, like you were saying, um, if uh, Tongans and Samoans want to celebrate their um, cultures, it's up to them Mm. to really push it, and I know it's the same in New Zealand, but that's something that's kind of evolved over time and i feel like um that's just starting to um progress here yeah, there in australia, in australia on, mm. a, on a large scale larger scale yeah i know there, there'll be people in sydney and, and melbourne and everywhere listening to like if they hear me they'll be like oh no nah, man we you know we're doing great but from what i've seen yeah. on the Gold coast mm. um like there was just starting to um, be some Busfika like festivals happening here right. in the last few years. Yeah. And they're getting bigger and bigger, mm. but they're just, you know. Mm. Whereas in New Zealand when I was growing up, I went to Polyfest every year and yeah, I was about uh, to... I got to experience my culture through mm. dance and song, um, mm. through that, which is not commonplace.
0: Yeah, I was about to ask um, do they have anything close to what we have here, such as the Polyfest and stuff in Australia?
1: Um, on the Gold Coast, I know for sure there is not. There is
0: um, not. All right.
1: But other states but probably. But I know that there are, it it kind of depends, like there are small communities like in South Brisbane and like North Gold Coast. Mm. There are massive Kiwi communities and therefore Polynesian communities that set up their own festivals within the right. you know, three or four schools in the area. Mm. Um, but,
0: but but nothing not, to the scale that by, we have here though, way I... no, no, no. And it's like oh,
1: kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's not possible, but it's not um, definitely not mm. a priority for schools.
0: here. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess here in New Zealand, you know, that, that kind of stuff was pushed very hard for a long time before the government or sort of the country started accepting that Pasifika was a normal part of New Zealand culture, right? So yeah, exactly. having, a, having Australia so, being so big as it is and so multicultural as it is, you mm-hmm. have all these different you know these different communities by trying to sort of compete for like a space and sort of the cultural well in terms of the cultural space right so yeah, it's for good sure. it, it'll be it's good to it's good to hear that things are starting to sort of spark up and things are starting to happen there's more Pacifica festivals and things like that and you know yeah. maybe in a matter of time they'll have something even probably even I can imagine would be even bigger than what we have here in Polyfest just because of the sheer size of the, yeah, the Pacifica people out the there numbers. yeah yeah for sure so uh Sort of talking about the the teaching aspect of things. Mm. Did you always aspire to be a teacher? Or is that something you sort of fell into, like most bus figure guys, you know, not really sure what they're doing. And it's like, oh, you know, eight years later, oh, I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for eight years. Wow, that's That's hilarious. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, as a child, no, I Mm. guess. As a child, uh, my big dreams that I never told anyone were like, I wanted to be, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but What Now? The mm. show, the morning show for kids. Yeah, 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 there was yeah. This guy, um, Jason Fafoy, mm. And um, I wanted to be that guy.
0: Oh, nice. Essentially,
1: when I was growing up, I never really told anyone, but I was like, yeah, I could be that guy. And so I only became a teacher because I went to France. Mm. And uh, while I was in France, they gave me a job as a English teacher
0: mm. or English uh, of course. assistant. I, so see, I, go, I
1: went into, I went into a school and I went through all the year levels and I just tried, and mm. attempted to teach them some form of English. Oh wow! And yeah, I got back from there and was kind of a bit lost. I was just working like a labour labourer job,
2: mm.
1: and um, yeah, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, my partner at the time was like, "Hey, you should." Um, see a careers advisor and see what you could do and from there i enrolled to be a teacher and you know like and then here like you are
0: you saying, yeah 10 years later yeah yeah still thinking like damn i can't believe they let me become a teacher i still i still think the same things like i can't believe that I've, I've, i'm a nurse i've been nursing for like almost half a decade now and i'm like yeah. I still can't believe it. I still cannot believe it. If and I'm guessing the same thing with you. Like, you go back into like our our teen years, and you know, if someone told me yeah, you're going to be a nurse one day, I would have laughed in their faces so hard, just because yeah. you'd never have guessed, you know. And it, it, it but but it's also yeah. a blessing in disguise, right? Because it's like I said earlier, some of these things just turned out to be like it was meant to be in a way. Oh, you for know?
1: sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the other thing on my list of uh, things that I I remember from my childhood, anyways, was like, hmm, priest. I could be a
0: priest. Oh, no, don't. I'm Catholic too. (laughs) I'm Catholic too. So (laughs) I, uh, oh my God. I remember, like this. I don't know if this story is true, but I've been telling this story for such a long time to people because people always ask, "Oh, Giovanni, what, what, where's that? Uh, What's it's that true. name from?" It's true. It, it probably is, but like you know, my my family, like uh, no people always ask, "Oh, Giovanni, that's not a common Tongan name," which is true. I think there's mm-hmm. only one other Giovanni that I know growing up in Tonga, and he was, like, way younger than me, so I was the original. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, my, my parents were ca- are, are Catholic, and they, uh, I think they just wanted to name me a priestly name because I was going to be a priest one day. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and for, for the longest time, I'm, I'm starting to really believe that that was actually the case. You know, because I do know. Growing up, my grandma and my granddad were always like, "Oh, yeah, you should go um be an altar boy. You know, you should go spend time mm-hmm. with the priests and things like that. Go to church." And I was like, "And I was like, why are they pushing so hard? Why are they re- <laughs> they're really really pushing me to do this? They're trying to make it happen. Yeah. They're trying to make it happen. And then when I once I caught wind of that, I was like, nah, put a hold to that. No more of that stuff. Uh, yeah. Which is probably why I'm a bit of a lapsed Catholic at the moment, where I." <laughs> <laughs> Where I hold the faith, but I don't. Uh, I don't attend church as much as I'd like to. <laughs>
1: um, this, this, I'm, I'm definitely in that camp. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I was kind of opposite. I was a bit of a strange child. Um, oh yeah. And actually, a strange adult, I guess. But like, I <laughs> uh, I feel uh, within <laughs> within me, I, I felt like a strange kind of a draw to sp- being spiritual. Okay. At least. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed church once mm. I could understand what was going on. Of course, and of course. sometimes would just go by myself, and mm. instead of being pushed to be an auto server, I like say <laughs> my volunteer. Yeah, um, and I remember going home and telling my brothers, "Oh yeah, I want to be auto server." They're like, "Why? What, <laughs> you? <laughs>
0: what
1: are you doing? <laughs>
0: what have you done? My- <laughs> what 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 are you feeling guilty about? <laughs> you need to ask God for forgiveness." <laughs>
1: To be honest, could have been that. Yeah. Tenants. I think, to be honest, like, uh, definitely not the most uh, capable young child. And they were like, dude, I don't know. They were probably like, I don't think you can do that job. I don't know if you can um, hold the cross and walk down the aisle by yourself. But I didn't actually end up doing it. um, Okay. Which is a small regret of mine. But yeah. Okay. Always well, being interested in, in the spiritual side
0: of. Well, life. I I had one proper experience of being an altar boy, and it it just happened to be in Australia. Um, oh <laughs> I was, wow! I was there for I was there for holiday, and and my cousins who lived in Newcastle at the time. Well, I think they're still living there now. And one Sunday, their dad just told us one day, "Oh, you guys are going to be uh, uh, the altar boys for um for this Sunday's mass," and me being dumb at the time just agreed, just fully agreed. And you know, there's there's certain parts where the altar boy has has certain responsibilities. You know, bringing up you know <laughs> yeah. the eucharist. You know, bringing up all the stuff. You know, ringing the bells yeah, at the right time. Let's just say none of that happened. <laughs> we were sitting there like absolute dicks, and I thought my cousin knew what to do. He didn't know. He knew just as little oh, as I did. No. So we're so there was like one part where the priest asked us to go bring up um sort of these little um uh. Uh I think it was like little rosary beads that he was going to sort of uh bless it and distribute to the church after, so he kind of tells us this is what I heard R-r-r-r-r-r. so I walk into the priest's room and then kind of like, Oh, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And we were literally there for like 15 minutes until the priest walks in and then he grabs it. This is what I asked for. And then walks out. And I'm just like, Oh, we are so dead. We are so one job, one job, man. It was the worst, man. It was the absolute worst. And, um, yeah, that was the, (laughs) the first and last time. I think that was pretty much my experience that I would not be a good priest for sure. You know, I, I, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not for everyone. And, and it yeah, definitely absolutely. wasn't for me, <laughs> that's that, that for sure. Oh Yo. man, damn, everyone, everyone's got a, a funny church story, I reckon. There's, there's always something, oh, there's always yeah. something, it's just, sorry, just to also, what, this is my last story about being at church, this is my last one, this is just those, those funny ones prefer, where, man. I think it was the first time. I just had my communion, part like the Sunday before. So this is my first time. I, you know, I'm a man now. I'm gonna go up get yeah, communion. <laughs> yeah. So excited, it's huge. so excited. Huge. You know, and then walk it the first time, all proud and stuff in line, and then get to the front. Now the the priest would hold up, you know, um, and he'll say, you know, Body of Christ, and then you're supposed to say Amen. He said, so he said in Tongan, but I uh, I'll say it in English for everyone does speak English. He goes, Body of Christ, and I say, Thank you. I tell him, <laughs> oh, no. I say, thank you. thank you. I felt like yeah, an idiot. Yeah, yeah, Malo, Malo. my, love, my love. And then I took it and I, I swear, I took it and I walked all the way home, mate. I, I took, I, I went center left, stage left, and I just walked all the way home in shame. Absolute shame, man. Honestly. It, when did you realize? When did you realize? As, like soon as, it, as soon as I said it. As soon as I said it. As soon as I said it. And and I couldn't not not say it. I'd I'd already said it. So I just kind of rolled with it and I just walked walked straight out. It was horrible. And and I'm sure and I'm sure the priest was like, "What the hell? Thank you." Oh <laughs> this, man. This little shit. That's on the That's yeah. on
1: the, I, I love you uh, I love you uh level. That's yeah, like, oh, no. You. Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> No, those are the those are the things that I always work, you know, in the middle of the night I just wake up in horrors like, oh man, remember that time I said thank you at the priest. <laughs> oh, go back oh, to sleep. Man. That was years ago. That was years ago. I think I was like 14, 15 at the time and it's still one of those oh. memories that I'm probably going to take to my grave. That's probably going to be my last memory on my deathbed. <laughs> As the priest comes no, in hurry. to do the final rites, not. the final rites, right? He's going to come in and do the final rites right before I pass. And then and as soon as he finishes the prayer, I'm going to say thank you. And then I'm going to just pass out. I'm, just, I'm gone. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be gone.
1: <laughs> just to go full circle. Just, go yeah. Go full yeah. Circle. Yeah.
0: Just exactly. It's the circle of life. <laughs> so you didn't teach in, in, in New Zealand, did you? I did. You did. I, you did I for a bit. In New
1: Zealand for uh, for three years. Three years. Um, and literally, um, two minute walk from my house. Oh, nice. Which was um, really interesting and hmm. awesome. Um, yeah.
0: Were they, well, who, It was a great three years. So, which students are worse? You know, <laughs> Australian students oh. or uh, New Zealand students? Who are worse?
1: Oh man, that's a really tough question to answer which are worse yeah. it's not it's not a tough Christian because like they're all bad it's like um, you always have the one right because
0: you'll have one or two that are sort of like really big troublemakers obviously but, but I do think there are levels right there's definitely levels yeah, there... to to how kids how far kids take it so I guess from just personal experience where, where would you sort of be sitting down and thinking man no not that you would you know but I, I'm just putting myself in that position man I could really uppercut mm-hmm. this kid right now. You
1: know? Oh yeah. I think all teachers have those moments. Of course. And I can't really Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. And I'm not trying I'm... to get you deregistered from the t- from the Yeah, from I know. T- I, know. T- I don't no, no. I don't know what to say right now. i like, tough. Oh. Okay. Okay. Let me let me rephrase but, the question maybe. Let me like Sure, sure. Wh- okay, I can't rephrase the question cuz <laughs> I just already put it out there.
1: No. How about uh, I can describe I guess the differences. Yes. Like cuz cuz like all issues and all things the answer is pretty complex because Mm. when i was in new zealand i taught at a like a low decile school like literally literally in my community in in, um mount wellington Mm. and so the problems and the um, lives of those children were worlds away from the children that i'm teaching here Mm. because whilst the children i'm teaching here probably like middle decile, I don't know if people understand decile, but it's like just a socio-economic
0: situation. Yeah, we, we have decile, decile stuff here too, in New Zealand too. Yeah, yeah. 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 so
1: low, di- less, low decile in New Zealand and here perhaps in the, in the middle somewhere. Right. And so that always creates difference mm. um, because the, let's say the naughty child that you were talking about um, in New Zealand and in my old schools were naughty because X Y Z, and and like there are uh, just a bunch of different reasons why they had developed behavioural problems over time. Hmm. And the same is true here, except that X Y Z is different, you know. Right. Um, right.
0: The context will be different. Yeah.
1: Context is different, and therefore, it's you hmm. know, it's a apples and oranges yeah, situation. Yeah, of course. Of and so, course. Um, I think one big thing that I noticed that's different is is curriculum, I guess. Mm. Um, And I guess what I was talking about before in terms of cultural um, awareness and what's the word kind of competency, right? Um, The ability for New Zealand teachers um, to uh, connect with children's uh, kind of home life and culture Mm. is pretty high and awesome. Oh, nice. Shout-outs to all the, all the teachers in New Zealand who do amazing work mm. and, are, you know, underpaid and, and all that um, stuff, um, which, you know, tons of my friends from uni and, and from schools as well. Mm. Um, and here, I guess, it's just a it's a slightly different landscape, you know, and um, like I was saying about cultural diversity here, and, um, you know, about 80% of each class is... Um, Australian kind of white kids yeah, um, kids, and that just creates difference it, it's it doesn't um, heighten or lessen the kind of mm. behavioral problems or anything it just means that there's mm.
0: yeah yeah I mean it's it different levels right and and I guess yeah, you know sure. working the same is true within
1: Auckland you know of course Auckland. yeah and then I thought here yeah
0: I guess, you know, I mean, like one of the things, you know, obviously, you know, um, poverty plays a big part in people's upbringing and sort of value systems and things like that. I mean, listen, it, sometimes it could be as simple as, you know, you just want to run around with the crowd. You know, you just follow the crowd. And if, you know, the loudest guy there is is, is a jackass and, you know, his friends are going to sort of <laughs> want to do that too just because of all the, uh, you know, not, not the acclaim, but like, you know, people like the class clown, right? And the class clown can be you know, not necessarily funny all the time, but they do silly things to sort of help break up the day. But, sure. I, but, I, but I hear what you mean, you know, in, in terms of sort of like the different cultures and upbringings and things like that, you know, it does determine, and, and it's pretty, it, you know, and for me working in mental health, it, it is pretty evident to see that your upbringing plays a big part in how you sort of hold yourself in the community. So if you come out awesome. with, uh, you know, you just being general and, you know, people who come from sort of broken homes and poverty and sort of, you know, drugs being used in the home, th- th- their level of functioning is going to be much more harder than sort of a, a group of, absolutely. you know, kids that sort of grow up in a, in a you know, a, not a, in a not-broken home, you know, in, in a more stable environment. So yeah,
1: you're absolutely. right,
0: you're right, in, in the sense of, you know, a long time, you know, and in a long time, you know, um people used to look at naughty children as just being naughty for the sake of being naughty, but the reality oh, is, right, the reality is that each of these kids come from different backgrounds and those unfortunate ones who grow up in more difficult environments, you know, only know a, a certain way how to behave because that's all they've seen their entire lives, you know? I mean, that absolutely. if you look at all the bullies that sort of come through the schools, more often um, than not, these guys are bullied at home, you know, absolutely. they're probably experiencing, you know, um, child abuse and all these other stuff. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a shame sometimes that um people... Put people into little boxes, and you know, I mean, we had a bit of a laugh earlier about naughty kids and things like that. But having sort of looking at it more in depthly, in depthly—that a word? More in depth. We'll we'll roll yeah. with it. We'll roll with it. Yeah, you man, know? I like it. I like it. <laughs> you know, looking at it more in depth. You know, it it makes more sense seeing that your your environment plays a significant role in who you are as a person. So, Absolutely. with with that in mind. You know, I've I've had a conversation in my early earlier podcasts with um with another teacher who teaches um actually I'm not even gonna say school. But um, That's you know, they have very similar issues where they have kids who come in and they sort of struggle with this or that or they have behavioral issues. How mm-hmm. how big is it for teachers to sort of recognize that and change the way that they sort of teach to sort of cater to these to these kids? How important is that? I
1: mean it's like number one, Mm. really, uh, uh, irrespective of whether whether a child has um, behavioral issues or not. Um, I learned pretty early on to acknowledge the child and where they're coming from and uh, all the factors that play into their behavior Mm. and their learning, I guess. Um, Pretty early, I kind of realized that uh, a child in my first ever class, Mm. you know, had X, Y, and Z, like I was saying, in their history, in their past, and in their current living situation was difficult. And Mm. um, I guess, when you come from a place of empathy for any teacher or or parent or anyone, um, then it makes things so much easier to manage, and gives you ideas for how you can deal with um, certain behaviours, or Mm. how you should deal with certain behaviours. I'm not like a scholar of education and behavior or anything mm. like that but i i operate on a base of relationship is really important mm. uh, if you don't have it you have nothing essentially mm. um and that from from a good relationship with a child that you, you can build mm. kind of bridges to of course you know
0: yeah. e- empathy right you know having having immense empathy for these kids who sort of you know, it, it's a tough thing to ask a child to trust you when their whole lives they've never been given a good reason to trust anyone, right? So, being yeah, absolutely, I mean, em- empathy is probably like not not the only thing you need, but it's definitely a, a minimum. You know, that you would need to sort of break through to these kids in you know, order to yeah, sort of, sure. yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I'm I'm very big on you know your first, you know, your first learning environment is home, and you know, you really should be learning the fundamentals of how to be a a decent human being starting from home. And then that sort of gets reinforced in schools. But I I don't know if, you know, and and just from my own anecdotal views on things and experiences, Mm -hmm. it's kind of switched the other way around, right? I think there's a lot of stress put on teachers where they're sort of expected to be these, the only, you know, all the role models that these kids need to Mm -hmm. as an example of sort of trying to teach them how to be a good human being. And I think there is a role to play for teachers in that aspect, but I think that role is to reinforce the good stuff that is already happening at home, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. It should be a support role as opposed to the primary. Yeah, and and it's unfortunate because I don't know when that happened. You know, I don't know when that big switch came from, you know, teachers, you know, school is is supposed to be a supplement to what you learn from home, and then now it's Mm. kind of gone a full 180 where school is reality, almost you know school is reality and you know and and everything you need to know you you learn in school you know i mean i i, yeah. I may be i may be alone in sort of that that sort of thinking and that's sort of what's happening at the moment but th- just from what i've seen and sort of you know my kids now being pushed into school and sort of just my my anecdotal i said experiences it just seems to be that there's mm-hmm. a big big shift in the way that in our in our society here in new zealand where we think they should, everything should be provided for them at school, you know, and that's everything, you know? And, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's unfortunate. I mean,
1: yeah, it's definitely uh, something that's happening worldwide. It seems mm. like mm. Um, teachers are expected to do a lot. Mm. And, you know, there's there's a number of um, posters and things that I've seen in the many years that I've been teaching mm. that kind of show a massive list of people what what people expect of teachers to be counselors and and you know mm. all all range of things like yeah. a, a nurse and a, and a everything yeah when when the child is at school and I think whilst it's it's a joy for all all teachers that I know anyways mm. to do all those things it's taxing and nice. at the end of the day like you're saying it's not really. It can never really be a solution, or Mm. um, the we can't be everything Mm. um, for all our kids. Mm. We can always try, and we one hundred percent do. Of course, it's it's a tough role to fill. It's not.
0: Um, it's it's not. It's not. I mean, at at the very least, it's not sustainable. You know, I think I think teachers have one of the hardest jobs. Like, I love my kids. I find other kids very stressful. (laughs) You know. You know, so, yeah. you know, I always take my hat off to teachers and sort of having to go day by day and have what I think already have immense responsibility to sort of teach kids, you know, and, and get them prepared for an academic life, you know, yeah, moving for forward. Ac- academia. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, and, and I feel very um, annoyed, I guess is the right word, when I sort of hear conversations like, well, why aren't the school providing this? Why isn't the school providing this? Now, there is an argument to be made that, you know, we look at lower decile schools and obviously if poverty is a big, big portion of that. And those schools Mm -hmm. are very good at sort of meeting the expectations of the community. You know, we have a lot of programs for for breakfasts and lunches and things Uh, like that, you know, like the bare necessity stuff. Like I'm not against that. You know, I'm definitely not Mm -hmm. against that. So if anyone's going to hit me up with some hate mail, that's definitely not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that when we have this expectation that the teachers are supposed to teach your child, your child, how to be a proper human being, I, I don't think that's that's correct. You know, I don't think that's going to be the way forward. Like you mentioned, you know, oh, it's, absolutely. it definitely should be supplementary to what they should be learning at home. Now, mm. on the flip side, you have kids who are absolutely unsupported in their home you know whether the you know the parents are this or that and you know make your own generalizations of what a bad parent is you know Let, let's not mm. pretend there's, there's no there's no bad parents out there there's a oh, ton dude. of bad parents out there right dude
1: this is a this is a dangerous space to be talking about i feel parenting yeah. uh like i've just found i'm a stay at home dad yeah and, uh for most of the weekend i feel like uh anytime you talk about parenting you gotta like tread lightly man because there are people out there that will crush you because of any view you have or any opinion you have on how you raise your child and how other people should raise theirs
0: that's fine and so it's it's really hard
1: it's really hard to like broach mm. the subject mm. without offending people i feel
0: yeah and that's a shame like, you know because like, like lots of topics which of i've heard you talk about yeah.
1: um on all your podcasts it's yeah
0: like, yeah no, no i i get it i get it and listen at the end of the day yeah, there's always going to sure. be people out there that's going to be offended at whatever you say even if it's the the thing that makes so much sense there's nothing we've said today that is not true or not or doesn't make sense to people i think the people who get offended when we talk about and i'm not talking about specific people i'm, ta- I'm just generalizing here right yeah for sure i'm generalizing here and there is something to say that you know as parents we have such a massive responsibility to our own children and when we start shipping those responsibilities off to teachers you know for whatever whatever those reasons listen and obviously Mm -hmm. you can hit me up with your individual experiences and i'm not that concrete in my thinking where i'm going to be sitting and holding this this view till i die but i do think when 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 people sort of are hesitant to talk about these topics and listen we we just only have to look at the Basfica group of people and sort of the struggles that we have to face day to day to mm. try to get our children mm. off to school. I I'm 100 yep. percent empathetic about it, but we need to be having these conversations because a long time you know it's, at the end of the day, we are the only ones that can change any of this. Right? We can't rely mm. on sort of you know um governmental assistance, which helps, of course. I'm not saying it doesn't help, but we can't sort of continue to sort of do that and expect. The system to change our, you know, to change things, we have to work in a way where we have to force the system to change, and it's going to happen little by little. You know, it's not going to happen yeah, in man. the next year, two years, three years. We're talking decades. You know, yeah. you know, to change, uh, to change the, our perspectives and and certain aspects of our culture. You know, where some people, not everyone, you know, some people don't yeah. actually value education that high. You know, people want their children to get a job as soon as possible and sort of help support the family and and that's you know I, and I, all i'm saying is we should be having a conversation about these things for sure, for sure but i get what you mean you know obviously there's going to be a lot of people out there it's like well you don't know my experience you know you don't yeah, know how yeah. hard it's been for me and, and listen i have all oh, the empathy in the world absolutely. for you you know absolutely. but don't get it twisted man i'm going to talk whatever the fuck i want to talk about you know when these yeah, people yeah, yeah. when these people talk to me about these things it's like, well that's fine you know that's your individual experience and that's good you should be voicing those experiences but don't think mm-hmm. your experience sort of easily gets sort of you know there's that broad brush sort of um, yep. technique where your experience sort of speaks for everyone and I don't think that's the case answers, yeah? yeah yeah no for no sure but, but I hear what you uh, I hear like, what you're saying though no
1: no for sure uh, I guess to complete my uh, mm. thought is that I really hundred percent agree with you that the only way to um, address all these issues with parenting and, and with uh, schooling and all that kind of stuff is actually a conversation. Mm. Um, and so that's uh, like a super I uh, value what you're, you're doing for sure. Oh, thanks, um, man. And like, I think it needs to be it needs to be done, you know, like, mm. uh, especially within our speaker communities, we need to be the ones to have conversations about it. Mm. And um, involve Absolutely. as many people as possible. Absolutely. I think um, in terms of like, Parenting overall and the Pacifica community. One of my like uh, lofty dreams and the like far future would be to be like uh, to have a have a nurse and have a teacher, like someone who's qualified in education, to uh, not only do Plunkett visits but do like legit educational like these are common sense good things to do with your children from the, when they're zero to five mm. because. What I, what I've realized as a teacher is that those years before they come to school are like frigging the most important oh, absolutely. Um, as I'm, ra- <laughs> as I'm raising my little two-year-old, hmm. I'm like damn, everything I do with this kid is, uh, forming him. I'm yeah. like semi molding him into the human being he'll be when he's my age, you know, like they're little, the little sponges, man,
0: they're little sponges, man. They and just, and so, they just soak up all this information.
1: Yeah, if anyone's watching and wants to steal that idea and uh, pitch it to government, <laughs> yeah. do that, man, because I feel like that that could make a significant difference. Absolutely. Uh, especially for people um, who don't mm-hmm. have the resources to or the you know, time or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. education, to yeah. do that for themselves.
0: I mean, one, one way they can do it is just make early um, childhood education free, you know? Just... Make just make it free I mean they're giving away they're they wanting to make a lot of stuff free
2: mm-hmm. make
0: this one free you know yeah. I mean you're right in terms of like children's earliest I mean there are plenty of researchers out there to show that if your child is in an, an ace form of early childhood education they just move mm-hmm. on to just be you know much more um they, they achieve better outcomes in the the um the education space moving forward yeah, so I'm, I'm very right. big on that you know and 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 yeah. early you know it is something that we need to be mindful of because a lot of the times and i'm guilty of this too you know it's like sometimes i'm with my kid and i need to do stuff i'll just plunk them in front of the tv while i try and get things done and that's the reality yeah, for, sure. for a lot of people you know but yeah man. you know but i think if you know and, and new zealand is, is pretty good where we do provide a certain amount of funding for early childhood education which is great mm-hmm. um people people should be engaging with that as best as possible. I think it, I think it's, I, th- I know a lot of people do. It, it's evident from the schools yep. that my, my kids go to that a lot of people feel the same way and are pushing kids to sort of go mm. to these sort of, uh, they, they're daycare centers, but then, you know, daycare, it's not like they just hang around, they, they just do nothing. There's actual proper structure and learning going on. Yeah, for sure. Whether it's for with sure. blocks, whether it's with letters and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, That's
0: and <laughs> so you're right. It's initiatives like that, and yeah, you, even and that and your initiative would be taking that to that next level, right? Where we don't, we can't just go yeah. straight to the home, you know, straight to the straight source. Straight to the home, man, yeah.
1: Because yeah, I think one thing when you talk about um, parents kind of uh, just lobbying their kids to teachers mm. is like if we really want to make lasting difference, like you were saying about everything coming from the home, mm. then actually we need to make some uh, strides to Uh, changing what's happening in the home because every time you take your let's say child care is free you drop your child at child care they have a great day Mm. and then they come home and maybe it's not as great or there are um, certain things that are missing Mm. so I guess my my dream one day would be to take some of those things from daycare and be like yo this is what we do at daycare Mm. this is some things you could do at home
0: some outreach stuff huh Mm.
1: yeah I think That's definitely one thing that I um, really felt as a teacher in New Zealand in my my school was that I could write these reports and have meetings with parents, and Mm. and they would be fruitful, but um, I felt always felt like it wasn't creating lasting change Mm. um, in in the home, and so I'd like write these super detailed reports of, you know, what 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 the child could do next and, and activities even that they could do, but um, kind of in the back of my mind thinking, oh, it's probably not going to happen. Mm. Um, and and the hard part about that is actually it's probably because mom and dad are working full-time mm. night shifts, yeah. uh, you know, kind of sailing between each other. And, you know, mm. like there's, yeah, so many different factors, but yeah. I guess yeah, i mean, it's always not- about... Just trying to of course. help it, at
0: least. And and it's not it's not like every, you know, parent is using drugs and alcohol and stuff as a thing. Some oh, people exactly. are just working, you know, but double shift, triple shift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. I like so. to think it's majority
1: of people who are just working there as, yeah. as and um you know
0: um, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Un, 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 literally unable to do these things. And then the other, there are that small segment that um are having other
0: Problems. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, you know. I'm I'm hopeful that, you know, as as sort of systems evolve, technology evolves that we do find more viable ways of providing education and especially early childhood education and making it more accessible to to parents at home. Cuz if, yep. you know, cuz I think as 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 well as it is to say, oh, ch- early childhood education is free, you know, how are they gonna take their kids there? How are they gonna pick them up? You know, lunches just and all things, these things. Right? There's, there's, there's always certain barriers, unfortunately, that sort of stop people yeah. from achieving these things. And it has to be a holistic sort of approach to everything, right? Like yeah, everything should sure. be, you know? And I don't have that answer, you know? Um, we kind of know what would be good, you know? It's, it's more just how do you implement that and how do you sort of actually provide that to the community that that needs it the most, you know? So, mm. uh, but I'm hopeful you know there's a lot of amazing people out there doing amazing work you know oh, 100% man. for the community you know putting in all That's these amazing true. initiatives you know that um that, you know and i and i see them growing i see there's more and more people wanting to do more for the community outside yeah. of their their usual day-to-day job you know so yeah, like yeah, i said sure. i'm i'm hopeful especially during covid like yeah you see yeah.
1: You've seen kind of organizations really step up and mm. provide for the community. Yeah. Shout outs to Dow at Venice. Yeah, man. Anyone else who's who's doing that in Auckland. Like, Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's good work. to
0: see. It's good to see. So I want to touch briefly. Before, I'm, I'm really excited to get onto the music aspect, as I'm sure you are too. But I'm, I'm yeah. actually, I just want to say, you are doing my dream job, which is being a stay-at-home dad, you know? I've said this before, and I've said it to a couple of my friends. I was like, you know what? If I can afford to be a stay-at-home dad, hinting to my wife, you know, waiting for you to get that, that top-tier job, <laughs> wink, wink. I, I would I would love to be that stay-at-home dad. Like, listen, I'm not the, the best parent out there, but I do find it very awesome to spend time with my kids outside and do these oh, little things. Like, man. like, doing the lunches, you know, I do have this weird thing. Like, if if I'm at home all the time, I just mm-hmm. clean you know, just had this weird thing. Where I'll just yeah. just more more of necessity than actually wanting oh, to yeah. clean. You know, yeah, but um, man. but how how is that for you, man? Like, um, do you sort of like um, how how do you like being a stay at home dad? I guess is the question. Uh, I love
1: it. It's mm. the, I mean,
0: <laughs> man, I want you to tell wanna... me it's terrible. I want you to tell me it's terrible, so I don't. <laughs> nah, <man. laughs>
1: no man like there's this one thing about uh life in general and especially social media like i don't like to tell people that i'm having like the best time of my life but i am yeah you know like especially when it comes to stay, being a stay home dad that's like, the best thing on earth
0: yeah why not um, man why, why, why is that
1: i think i i just have this thing inside me that doesn't want to uh I don't know, brag. I think this is a, you know, there's a thing about social media is kind of, you kind of become a toxic person. Of course. If you tell everyone about how great you're going. But one thing I can say honestly is, and I feel better talking, like actually telling you about it, Mm. because you asked me (laughs) (laughs) Um, is, yeah, I just really love being a stay at home dad. And it's like five days a week, mostly. And, it's just awesome. Mm. I, I think there are definitely some little minor negative things like I'm the only one wherever I go. Uh, but that's like a whole other issue yeah. about gender, gender norms and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. But like, just the, the, the act of being a stay home dad is really wonderful. Mm. I get to really experience what my son's going through all his emotions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all those things that he, he does. Mm. and just teach him stuff and uh, Mm. it's really developed over the last few months as Mm. well like he's just turned two and he like can speak to me and we can kind of have these mini conversations so it's like it's a great thing to do
0: they can at least tell you for sure what they want this time which does make things easier when they can actually tell you exactly what they want right Absolutely. as opposed to just like trying to guess like you, you there's a body language what what is just, it milk yeah yeah you hungry just what is pointing it? somewhere or, yeah. or crying or just in a crying direction yeah. yeah 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 for sure like, uh, I, I get little bits of tastes of it because like uh, my nursing schedule is like i work four days on two days off so every so often i'm yeah, like yeah. It's more often than not i'm off at least two days in the middle of the week and honestly yeah, we man did. being able to sort of wake up in the morning get my kids ready for school organize all that Mm. stuff take them to school and then come back home do what i need to do and then pick them up after i don't know there's just something very meaningful like that. i think it's time i think it's spending the time with my kids because i feel a lot of the time if i had to break it down i'm at work more often than i am Mm -hmm. at home you know Mm -hmm. that's just a normal you know work week for a lot of people you know yeah for sure and so I do value that time when I organize them and getting them schooling school and when they come back and then cooking them dinner and all these things. And not to mention, being off in the middle of the week and then going to the mall and knowing it's just mm. the retirees, really nice people, is the best, yeah. man. It's the best. <laughs> like, you don't have yeah. a packed no mall. Lines, no, no lines. You can go to the movies and you're literally the only person in there. It's, oh, man, it's great it's it's, it's definitely great thing yeah. yeah one of these days <laughs> fingers crossed you know once this podcast kicks Dude, off and I, and I get yeah. a <laughs> massive sponsorship from somewhere i'm stay at home dad for good wink, wink, that's me man sponsors. yeah wink wink they'll be like yeah not after what yeah, he said like, before <laughs> 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 yeah not not this kind of content i don't think so i don't think nah, there's nah, there's nah. any sponsorship that's going to want to touch this but anyways okay. that's it. it's come, not for come. the sponsorship hey listen i, I, I think I, yeah. go on
1: no, I just feel super. I think one thing that I feel uh, all the time is just gratitude, because mm. like, I'm in a very unique situation. And I wish more for all men that mm. they can do this, at least for, you know, a certain amount of time, like I know, mm. in <laughs> in the utopian uh, Scandinavian countries that it's like, it's a given from the government. that yeah. Hey, dads, stay at home for like four months if you want. Yeah. Or not, if you want, just stay at home. Parental leave. This is this is good for you and your child uh, for the rest of their lives. Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah. No, I, I had. That's I had, definitely something I'm
1: for, and like, I just I sing all the praises of all stay at home parents. Yeah, But that's you know. especially because I am one. Mm. Like, do just it if you can.
0: Stay stay at home parents in Enjoy. general, right? It, it's such a it's such a privilege oh, and and such a such an amazing experience to just be and and watch a little human being grow is, is such a it's hard to put into words how amazing that journey is when you're seeing something that you made is just just slowly developing as a human being. And then next thing you know, they're like going to big school, you know, which is very emotional. I'm just going to put it out there for you. (laughs) Watching them them for the first time going from daycare where it's very structured, very, you know, there's gates upon gates, sign out, sign Mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Very, very difficult for anyone to come and sort of Oh, God, it's turning into a very scary thing I'm about to explain. (laughs) But, like, you know, there's a lot of supports and a lot lot of things to sort of make sure the right person is picking up your child from daycare, right? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I remember me and my wife going to visit uh, my my oldest uh, school for the first time. And there was open gates. There was literally an open gate to the road. And, and and the yeah. first thing I thought was like, Walk oh, how do you? This is how stupid I felt, you know, because you know, obviously me with this mindset of my kids are, are super protected at their um at their daycare, so uh, yeah. how do you stop the kids from running onto the road? That that was my question to to the principal, and she kind of looked at me. She must have had similar conversations with a lot of people, and she goes, oh yeah, absolutely. you know, she kind of looks at me and goes, uh, you know, kids kind of know not to do that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. No, I've got no more questions. No, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but thanks. but it is but it is a very, uh, it, like, it's a very. Thank you. And yes. Then you home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I took a again center left out the door, <laughs> all the way home. <laughs> Malo yeah. just walk out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it is a very proud moment to watch your kid go to like a primary school, like where they're gonna start really learning how to, you know learning stuff. But a very scary thing at the same time because you're kind of like, oh, no, big bad world. You know, you think of all the things that happen at school, bullies and things like that. But mm-hmm. you have you have to trust the process. Huh? You have to trust that your child is is not stupid. Stupid in the sense that they know what's wrong from right and, you know, yep. you've done yep. all you can to sort of prep them for the world. Mm. And, and, you know, I don't think I was ready to sort of see that process happen, but seeing her evolve – as a human being and doing very well at school mm. and things like that. I was like, you know what? Yep. Okay. This is, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. So it's a great, it's, it's, validating. Be, it's a very, it's a great feeling. I, I will say that yeah. as much, but at the same time, it's also mixed with very, a lot of strong feelings of concern. Yeah. As most parents would have and any, any concerns yeah, about sort of stuff like that. So it's going to be great. Trust me. It's going to fly by. You know, two, three, oh, four, dude. five, and it'll be like, woesas, you going to school? It's already,
1: yeah, it's already flown by. I can't believe this guy's two. Oh, yeah, I, I know for sure it's going to fly by.
0: Enjoy it, man. I've, yeah. I, my one turned three earlier this year, so it's a yep. big, big moment. It's a big moment for a, lot of, for a lot of families out there. Yeah, man. So listen, let's... Man, oh, no, sorry. I was, can I just say... Yeah, can, go. No, nah, can I go just say, it.
1: like... Um, we very, very lightly touched on gender norms and things. Mm. I feel like the fact that you and I are having this conversation as like Pasifika men is mm. a really helpful thing if uh, lots of other Pasifika men get to hear it and um, are like, yeah, this is awesome. Mm. I can I can be super proud uh, of being a dad and, and all these little moments in my child's life mm. and not feel like um, it's a wussy thing to do. Because yeah, yeah, you're I right. Think, I think that's something we. Um,
0: yeah, you no, know, we we might as well I touch think... we might as well touch on it while we're while we're on the subject, and and you're right. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of the times, um, from experiences and just people that I've seen and people I've interacted with, we we find it very hard to sort of say good things. No, I guess mm-hmm. not good things. It's very hard to express emotion. I guess you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of the time, I'm guilty of this as well, mm-hmm. where I feel because I'm the, you know, in the Tongan traditional sense being the male, Mm -hmm. I need to be the strong one and need to sort of hold composure for the family. Mm -hmm. So very little, you know, very often, more often than not, I'm sort of the one that's not sort of talking about feelings and things like that. But I always find time to, in in my own time, right? But I think a lot, what we find is there's no balance between that for a lot of Pacifica men. Generalizing, again, obviously, there's a lot of of Pacifica men that sort of express emotion. Me and you are doing it very well right now. You know, so but I do think there is that sort of sense of, uh, was is it a loss of control? I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you can explain a little bit more. But like there's sort of like this feeling where saying how you really feel is like a weakness, or may, is it a mm. weakness? You know, oh, which is absolutely. a shame. Which is a shame for a lot of people because they miss out on a lot of amazing experiences because of you know thinking that that's not your role in the family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, that was kind of my whole uh, teenage life Mm. and going into my early 20s, believing that um, telling people how I feel or what's going on in my life in in depth is like a weakness. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think it's something that we can all as parents kind of foster in our children, not to overshare or to like, Go around telling people you know, like of course. yes r- random facts, but there, there's a limit. <laughs> to, to create yeah, absolutely. But to create like, like safe space for kids to just, oh you sad? What's mm. going on? Mm. Like what's happening? Mm. And encourage that as a normal thing that men do. Yeah. I think that's something I'm I'm all for.
0: Yeah. I think it needs to be a balance, right? I think there needs to be a balance sure, where you need sure. to be open to sort of talking about feelings and sort of exactly as you said you know when someone said it's not saying don't be sad you know exploring that a little bit more because that's the same thing as saying harden up you know it's the same exact thing i think there's also a a space for what is traditionally seen as masculine you know Mm these air quotes air quotes you know uh, masculine traits where it is okay to allow your child to try figure things out for themselves you know we can't wrap them in cotton wool and say oh no you're sad you're crying oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness there is oh, a absolutely. certain there's definitely a space to allow them to sort of figure those things out and mm-hmm. you know it's the same thing when you see a child you know like trip over something yeah you allow them to cry and you sort of make sure that they're not hurt but you at the same time you allow yeah. them to learn from that experience maybe yeah, i won't run head first yeah and, yeah exactly yeah exactly so i think it. it's i, I i'm on board with you 100 in terms of being able to talk about emotions and sort of acknowledge and validate emotions as well is something yeah, that we don't that... do very well as men in general not just mm-hmm. pacifica men i think men in general
1: yeah for sure yeah absolutely
0: but we also need to be careful not to um go the complete opposite way where we totally take all responsibility away from our, from the children and sort of they expect that there will always be someone to sort of protect them. Yep. I To regulate
1: their emotions yeah. and, and help them.
0: Exactly. And, and that's part of yeah. the learning process, right? It's part of the learning process and being able to sort of expose yourself, not to just the good thing, but like some of the difficulties in life, you know? Because I think mm-hmm. people learn more from and become more resilient by getting over these tough aspects of their lives the last thing you want is to create an environment where your child is the best feels that they're the best at everything nothing's wrong with them they're the best they're the best looking they're the best Mm -hmm. this they're the best that Mm -hmm. and then they go into the real world and realize you're less than average not that you you know i'm just saying you know listen being Uh, being an adult being an adult right being an adult is very fucking tough (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's competitive yep. people don't really give two shits about where you're from or who you are in, in in the competitive business space right yeah for sure you know um and if you're gonna if you're wanting to start anything um independent you have to be able to back yourself and, and run with it same thing for your music same thing with me in yeah, this absolutely. podcast you know you absolutely. need to be able to go through certain phases where it's not working it's not working learn from those mistakes and sort of evolve as you go along and I'm just always mindful because me and my wife always have this thing about you know, oh, you're too hard, oh, you're too soft, blah blah blah. But I think what we do really well is sort of find this balance where we're allowing our yeah. children to build a, a resilience. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, but yeah, in in terms of talking about emotion stuff, we need to be more open to that for sure. Absolutely for yep. sure. Yeah, we need to switch those gender roles, man. We need to switch those gender roles hard. Well, not switch, but uh, yeah, not, not, not switch, switch, but just do away with it. Do away with it, I think, is, is the real thing. No such thing as gender roles. Everyone are people, and people can do do everything, except men can't yeah. give birth. I think that's the only thing. Yeah,
1: obviously. Obviously,
0: yeah. yeah I think gene- certain, certain genetical things we can't do, you yes. know. <laughs> but um, in terms of roles, <laughs> roles in society, I think, is the right, right word. I think our roles in yeah, society sure. need to be washed away and make it normal for people to you know like men for example since we're talking about men yeah. that it's okay to be a stay-at-home dad and it's actually very fulfilling yeah. very fulfilling
1: absolutely oh man it's the best
0: like i said i'm, I'm super jealous that you i could dad. Lit-
1: i could litter you with like little stories of like how awesome some things are with with my kid but like the summary is that i've really enjoyed the last two years and um it's been i think one thing that i like much like teaching didn't expect is that there's just like a huge amount of personal development that happens. So I went into teaching. I was essentially a child, like I was 21. Mm. But in my brain, I hadn't really figured out, you know, life yeah. and how uh, children work and how everything with the world works. Mm. So huge, massive, huge leap then. And then when my child came along, I thought I had a reasonable idea because I'm a teacher and I have so much experience. Oh, <laughs> look at me, I, I look after the kids all the time, but man, when he came, it's like, it's a whole, it's a, it's a different game, ball game, man. Game and you have to then make another leap personally mm. to kind of figure out how you are going to raise mm. this.
0: You have to mature yeah. very quickly. You know, you have to mature mm. very quickly. Um, you know, I had my first kid when I was 18. So You're... I had to mature very quickly into sort of being a father and a provider and being, and being sort of more than an 18-year-old, you know. So yeah, I don't I don't regret any of that. If anything, my life was going nowhere for a long time mm. during that time. I mean, between mm. my the ages of like 16, 17, 18, when I moved to New Zealand for same form, so between 17, and 18, my life yeah. was going down the toilet, man, like literally yeah, right. going down. No, I had my kid at 19, sorry, 19. But it, it was like, literally going down the toilet, drinking every day, hanging out for mm. like the next house party, you know, Going to uni, but not really going to uni, you know. Gonna go and drink at yep. Unitech, you know, at the Carrington Bar. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Carrington Bar, by the way. Best bar out there. <laughs> Had a lot of good Sponsor, memories there. <laughs> makes... Yeah, man, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, the amount of money I dropped in that place, they fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> they need, You know what I mean? My investment. To my to investment. Fund, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's um it's it's definitely and what you said speaks volumes to me, man. You know, you, you have to sort of become a different, not, not really a different person, but learn new ways of looking at the world and sort of being a, a better human being. And I think, listen, it's, it's not a thing for people just to have a child so that things get better. No, no, no. Oh, I, no, 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 no. That's, no, no, definitely, no, no, that's no. definitely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you get to the stage where you are having a child um, and, you know, you're concerned about you know what's the next step i think oh, eventually you will out of necessity will evolve mm-hmm. with the time and just find Absolutely. this new so this up. new space right you find this new space of yourself as a person where mm. you are just like oh man i've learned as you said you know in the last 2 years you know i've learned so much i've just become a much more different person different in a good way though mm-hmm. right and mature and being mature you become very mature very quickly like i'm still very mm-hmm. like i still watch cartoons and shit you know so like to oh, certain to certain aspects know. i still i'm still still very much in like an adolescent oh, you
1: gotta you gotta keep your inner child man. you need to like, keep your inner child I'm, I'm i'm all up on this avatar last year been to uh, show, yeah like dragon ball like oh, dragon ask Ball's me anything it. pop culture related i may know about it uh, DC, well, you, Marvel, all that stuff, man. I'm have you have you been watching
0: the, the new Dragon Ball Z? Now that we're sort of on it, and you've you've perfectly segued. Have you been watching Dragon Ball Super?
1: I have not, not oh, yet. Man. Oh wait, Dragon Ball Super. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched the whole thing. So that's that. Oh, yeah. It is so good. Like it's amazing. I remember Dragon Ball from like. Back in the day, you know, back when mm-hmm. Goku was still a child to when sort of, you, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when Vegeta first invades and Dragon Ball Z was a mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. Dragon Balls being the big, big thing. Oh, man. That did, not, not, not a lot of people like it for some reason. I think the biggest criticism I hear from people when I talk to people about anime is that they don't like the art, yeah. the art that they sort of... The way that they draw right. it and stuff like that. The styling, yeah. And not to mention, they talk for like half an episode before the fight actually begins. So there's also that aspect. Oh, you yeah, know? for sure. So there's that. But, man, honestly. Yeah, and then Dra- the episode ends. Yeah, then the episode ends. It's like, oh, wait. Next it was, time. Was it the, next, next time on Dragon, Dragon Ball Z. Z. Exactly. Exactly. But it's it's such an amazing show, man. Like, it's such an amazing show. Oh. Like, the one thing, my only criticism of that is that they just find a new new, new level of power every season. Every <laughs> it's time. Just, yeah, it no, gets worse. It gets higher and higher and higher. And yeah, it's yeah. like, the, you think they've hit a ceiling. All
1: the way through. Yeah, Dragon Ball Super, yeah. it's like Ultra Instinct. Yeah, Ooh, remember,
0: remember when um Super Saiyan 1 was like the shit? You know, like, oh my God, it's the legendary Super Saiyan. And then, you know, Goku mm-hmm. finds mm-hmm. Super Saiyan 2, Super Saiyan 3, 4. You know, it just gets ridiculous. And now they're at Super yeah. Saiyan God. Blue? Yeah,
1: I think. Something.
0: Oh, yep. Yeah, so, you know, it's... I always enjoy seeing the new levels, but at the same time, it's like, man... At some point, it just becomes less original. <laughs> you know, like now it's just like blue. There's like there's nothing really just changing colors, just changing yeah. colors. Like at least with like yeah. um, Dragon Ball GT, they sort of grew back their tail and they got like bit, bits of the, you know, their monkey DNA back in. And so like. at least that that was that was something right. That was something. But like, you yeah, know, the Dragon Ball Super different was different development, different development character. The, the, the bad guy characters are always cool. I do have to say.
1: I just yeah I love all those series and I think like so so that we don't start a whole nother podcast about anime (laughs) um, like the thing I love about anime and like cartoons in general was like you can take any hero from any of them and learn how to be uh, determined and uh, strong and resilient and like that's Mm. when I grew up I realized I was like oh I've been idolizing uh, Optimus Prime and goku yeah and, you know naruto yeah my, oh. i only started watching naruto like 10 years ago oh my um, god and so you know even as an adult just like actually you know i can be like naruto yeah. i can
0: yeah
1: i can just go hard yeah. all the time yeah and fight for my friends and yeah. you know all these things that they they say all the time
0: yeah, um, the the big lesson. That huge I, fan of anime. Oh yeah, for sure. Is, we'll, we'll end, it, we'll, end it, it. we'll end the. the we'll end the anime. We'll end the anime <laughs> conversation on this. the The main the main takeaway I've always taken from all these shows is a loyalty. Loyalty is always a big thing, but also hard work actually gets you places. Hard work. Oh. All 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 the main hero characters work their asses off. They fail, mm-hmm. they fail. They fail. They fail. They continue to work and they always overcome. Oh. Every obstacle. Yep. So just shout out, shout out to that. They find new, new ways. They find new ways. They find new ways. Get me a
1: gravity chamber. Yeah. <laughs> go to I... the time. <laughs>
0: what's the, the time uh, w- uh, on Kami's uh, world where there's like that time thing where they can train for like a year in the time, but it's like oh, only yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah. The time chamber yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. find a way you find a way, find a way you man. find a way so let's let, we're finally at the, the the whole point of actually to come on we've, we've gone like <laughs> through so much things which i've enjoyed thoroughly Dude,
1: but bro, it's I, about i could i
0: could do 10 more of these oh so absolutely absolutely maybe we need to bring you back on just to talk purely anime purely anime that's probably the next one but listen about music you've recently released your single half as much I, i've listened yes. to it it is dope it, it is Thank you, it is dope it's It's exactly the kind of music that i've been listening to lately very chill with a very yeah. good message coming through you know great vocals you know thank you so let's talk about that for a little bit let's talk about that What what's the meaning behind your single that you've released half as much what what inspired you to write this and what inspired you to get into sort of songwriting
1: um i guess another it's like another one of my uh life stories where uh i've I fell into a kind of connection with a guy who works out in um, rural Australia, um, a place called Waterbinder. Um, Shoutouts to Worry. Yeah. Um, they, he he was working there and I went to visit because my wife was doing a placement there. And I hit him up because he was working for Red Cross and he was working with the youth there. And I was like, man, that's my jam. Help you with your holiday program. You We've formed a strong relationship. And then like years passed, and he hit me up, and he was like, "Yo, I'm in Melbourne, and I have a, I'm house sitting, and I've got all my equipment here. Uh, you should come, and we can write a EP or album." And I was like, "Okay, nice. you know, like it's a bit <laughs> like the France thing." I was like, "Sure." sure. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, ah, oh, but I have my one-year-old baby, and you know, I can't really leave him here. Mm. Um, can I bring my baby?" And he was like, "Yeah, man." So I went with my one-year-old and I spent four days with my homie, Steve. And we just, I think the biggest thing that we did was like unpack my life thus far. Mm. And one thing, one of the things that came out of it was, um, I guess I have this massive, I guess, gratitude is my uh, emotional center. And I was feeling at the time this gratitude for all the people who had uh, loved me and loved other people Um I guess I have realized over time that perhaps they weren't um, as willing to love themselves or to accept love from me or, mm. or from other people. And so that's kind of where the song began is trying to um, write a song uh, from like the voice inside everyone mm. that tries to tell you like knocks on the door and it's like, Hey, you're worthy. Hey, you're mm. really cool. Mm. Uh, but we try it. Often, especially myself, like you, just lock that door and you don't listen to that voice, and you tell that voice to go away, and you listen to social media instead, or you listen to uh, teachers that are negative towards mm. you, or your parents, or you know, like all these outside influences, instead of listening to that voice. And mm. so, the song, as we wrote it, was literally like a like a little letter from that inner voice, that. I guess eventually once the song was made gets kind of written on a piece of paper and like slid through the crack in the door yep. for people to read if they want to, you know, like, and I guess, yeah, that kind of brings us to why we, why I approached you. Cause I really want to tell people that and to mm. have that conversation with people and say, look, I know everyone has that voice, whether it's big or small or whatever, but I think now is as good a time as any to like, Mm. listen to it and to to let it Mm. let it wash over you and let it um kind of make you Mm. happier if it if it can
0: so what why do you think it's so hard for people to listen to that voice because it sounds like what you're trying to touch on is that people tend to listen to influences that are more negative towards them as opposed to positive Mm -hmm. and you know, from from my personal experience, I find it very hard, and, and, and I may be sort of barking up the wrong tree, but I find it very hard to mm-hmm. take compliments about things that I'm good uh, at, you know? For sure, man. Yeah, so, same. but I'm more open to hearing negative reviews, almost like in a way to try and be constructive about it. But I do mm-hmm. I do hear, you know, in terms of the message you're trying to portray, in terms of people mm-hmm. trying to sort of be open to sort of that little voice trying to tell them, you know, that they are worth it in the end. Why do you think it's so hard if we want to just talk about, you know, Pasifika men at this point in time? Why do you think it's so hard? Or actually people in general, to be honest, more just people in general. Yeah, I mean, why is it so hard it for apply, them?
1: Yeah, I think it can, can apply to, to both. And and like, I can, I guess I can only really speak from a Pasifika male's mm-hmm. perspective. But <clears> as I was growing up, I guess, like, um, there's partially this uh, thing that I've heard you talk about, about Pasifika people having this collective mindset. I think some of that uh, has an effect mm. because you don't generally, when I was growing up, I never wanted to like stand out for anything, especially mm. academics. Like it was not cool to be smart as a speaker at my school. Uh, at least that, that was my perception. Mm. Um, and so it was way cooler to um, get to seven form and do a second year so you can play rugby, you know, like mm. Mm. this is, this is the kind of mentality that um bread and Mm. so I think for me it's like there are those factors there are there's the collective factor there's um really just society in general um perhaps even that boxing in effect where people only think you can be a certain thing Mm. um like a rugby player (laughs) um or you know like yeah of course and for for the longest time of my life and right up until now I was kind of not really conforming to it, but like I had conformed to it throughout my life and and I accepted that as a part of my identity mm. and literally only retired mm. from rugby like this year. Oh, wow. And so it's something that I grew, grew to love and I, I loved playing rugby and I still love rugby, but mm. uh, I think so much of our identity can be tied up in those stereotypes that we have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, so, we yeah. reinforce those stereotypes to a certain degree. Oh. Right 100%. I mean it, it's easy for for someone like myself to sit here and say you know like oh you know look, all all pacific people play rugby I played rugby as well so I you know I, I can't say yeah, that yeah. we don't I mean we enjoyed the sport but I think the real issue the, the possible real issue I'm not going to make a you know no, I'm not I mean, going to say say things that may not be true but what I think is the main issue is what you touched on earlier is our sort of mm-hmm. need to conform with our own culture you know, we mm-hmm. don't like standing out. You know, we don't like sort of saying, you know, you know, because in a, in a certain way, in some subconscious level, we're saying to everyone else, I'm better than you. And we, you know, being coming from a culture where like, humility is quite a, a big thing and is such a big thing and respecting others is such a big thing. You know, it's hard for a lot of people to sort of take that step. And, you know, and there's plenty of people who do. Right. There's plenty of people who well, are able absolutely. to sort of use it but a majority of people I would say find it very difficult to sort of go against what everyone's doing in the culture, whether Mm -hmm. it's good or bad, you know, they sort of Mm -hmm. tend Mm -hmm. to just go with the flow. And, and, you know, that's, that's an unfortunate, one, one of the unfortunate things, you know, because I don't buy for a second that, you know, our culture is, you know, our culture is the best culture, you know, what, you know, all these Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. every culture in the, in the world has their own benefits and negatives you know yep. and we tend to not focus too much on the negative side because it's you know it, it's it's okay for me and you to talk about it i guess because no one's going to call us yeah, racist sure. you know <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. look at these two racist guys talk about tongan culture bitch i'm tongan i can i can talk about my culture if i want but yeah. you know i think that comes again it comes back to that conversation is that no one's willing to actually talk about it and we look at people who sort of rise above you know uh, not rise above that. That's still not the right word. No People who go yeah, against no the grain, I think, go against the yeah, grain. Yeah. You know, we see them as rare, as a uh, unique and rare. But I think the reality is that the only difference between that person and the person who didn't do it is that they just decided I'm tired of just doing the same old shit and wanting to sort of mm-hmm. step mm-hmm. up. You know. So yep. your your song actually sort of it sounds like that the you know one of the biggest reasons of your song was to trying to encourage people to sort of be open to that be open to sort of accepting you know all the good things and and sort yeah. of and and it's great you know so yeah, it's absolutely. it's it's definitely you know and the medium of music is is something that speaks a lot to Pacifica people you know mm. I don't know any Pacifica people that has not sat in a garage and blasted music for at least an hour or two or three hours doing nothing just yeah, just man. music just straight all music right. you know <laughs>
1: club garage is the place oh, to be man it is i've been to so many great club garages they're, they're the best man
0: yeah club clubs yeah. are overrated man the new thing no, is, no, is garages clubs, yeah
1: garages are the jam bro yeah like that's an untapped uh industry
0: yeah <laughs> business pr- proposal maybe yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Club garage? can you no. can you imagine all the red red tape you'd have to get through just to get oh, a right license <laughs> Nah, just you,
1: you you, I don't think that's something you can monetize. It'll be, it'll be an I underground
0: thing. It'll be an underground. It's, thing. Better,
1: it's better not to be monetized. Just casual. Just
0: yeah, just a casual be family thing. What it thing. is right now, which is exactly like fancy, well, that's what yeah, makes, it, makes it great, right? It's where it is Absolutely. right now. So, um, how do you? What's your process of writing music? Do you sort of wait to mm-hmm. sort of be inspired by something, or do you sort of always have these sort of beliefs or thoughts that sort of you just needing to sort of put to music.
1: Um. It's a bring, uh I guess, uh, progression mm. because up until this project, I had really only written, um, i would written a couple of like aspirational, uh, let's change the world kind of songs because mm. uh, I, I was in a reggae band for like five years, mm. um, in New Zealand. And
0: what's the name of the band? Like what was the name of the band?
1: I, it was called Unknown Peace.
0: Unknown Peace. And um,
1: unfortunately, we remain pretty unknown uh
0: except for
1: <laughs> it was a bit of nope. foreshadowing there, yeah. maybe um <laughs> but um we we made a few appearances on like on tv that's cool um, and and on the radio and that kind of stuff and I feel like if we had continued and and actually had some proper like musical direction like marketing well, like stuff business direction yeah. marketing stuff then we would have maybe we would have done okay but
0: Maybe just um, calling yourselves Peace would have been a good uh,
1: guess. Maybe. Could, be. Could have been a good one. No, the no, no. idea was that the idea was that we were Unknown Peace right. and that we were going to let Peace be known.
0: Oh, right. Uh, no, no, that makes sense. Through, our, through our music.
1: So <laughs> shout out to the Unknown Peace. Police. Shout out. Um, shout
0: out to them, man.
1: And Girl. Yeah, and girl. and um, girl. Yep. We, yeah. And so my first songs that I wrote were for that band and mm. uh, they were about, you know, just being the change that we want to see in the world these kinds of songs and also kind of like love songs and from from then till now I had only really written um a few love songs here and there that I kind of like one that I wrote for my wife Mm. uh, as and I sung it to her as she came down the aisle
0: oh wow uh
1: these kinds of songs Mm. um and then it was just really with this project, with having someone, my, my homie Steve, actually ask me about my life and be mm. like, you know what, could we, could we could write songs about this. Like, mm. I was like, yeah, we <laughs> totally can. I was like, "Yeah, no, this is a great idea. And yeah, this is kind of mm. how things came wow. about. I mean, most, yeah. most,
0: most great songs come from people's personal experiences and sort of meaningful things that's happened to them in their lives. So things that they find important you know that's um, I, I would i'm i'm in no way artistic whatsoever so this is me asking really stupid questions about how people write music and things like that but you I know disagree. i what, what disagree no, i'm very untalented in terms of music I, i'd say in terms of music i'd say okay but, yeah let's be more specific yeah. music, music you're,
1: you're music. super creative right you just well you're just doing it different. see
0: this this is me not being able to take a compliment you, i know this, right this is Stop it! Hey stop yourself. it right now. Half as much, just at least half. True, true, Come true. On, I, need, I need, to, I need to, I need to lead by example for sure. Thank you, by the way. Absolutely. Thank you. Because hey I can't, okay. I can't see people writing music about things that they have nothing to do with. You know, like things. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even think of anything where it's like anything meaningful where you'd write something and be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm rapping about a uh, poverty, but I'm a millionaire and I've always been a millionaire." You know, mm. so so I think that's what makes your music. Um, it 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 speaks to I reckon it it would speak to a lot of people because there's a lot of relatable stuff in there, and I've actually been jamming it over the last couple of days <laughs> because it's awesome, ridiculously man. catchy. It it Thank is you. so good because it it's almost like I don't know what your influences for the, for the beat and stuff like that, but it's almost mm-hmm. like chill hopish, sort of mellow mm-hmm. music, and it's just like that. That's the jam at the moment for me, man. It yeah, is man. really really good. It's really good. Yeah. So so with um. With that, how how hard is it? Because it sounds like when you're you know with unknown pace and sort of running solo mm-hmm. at the moment, how hard um, is it to break into the music industry there in Australia?
1: I mean, I guess I'm just right at the beginning of my journey, and it seems mm. like uh, it's kind of hard. I guess mm. um, they definitely have, like we were saying about the differences between Australia and New Zealand. It seems like there are definitely more avenues or more obvious a- avenues for people to pursue. So over here, they have this like national radio called Triple J, Hmm. and it's like national radio for young people, essentially, and people get around it. And it's like one of the most popular stations in the country. Um, And so they have a, a separate website or like a joint on website called Unearthed, which allows people like me or anyone, essentially any artist to like post up their music and potentially get it radio play. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it's like a direct link to radio, mm-hmm. whereas I feel like on every other station that I know about here and in New Zealand, like you kind of have to know someone. Yeah, kind of need a middleman. You need to be on a label, or you have to be like yeah, some kind of like mm-hmm. some kind of breakthrough has to happen for you in order to mm-hmm. um, make it. Um, in terms of like, how's it going? in Australia I feel like I'm doing okay just really on the back of like friends and family sharing my stuff Mm. and getting behind me Mm. um which is amazing and I guess the a lot of the time success kind of depends on your expectations and your um your goals and dreams and I have I have really big dreams actually I I want to play big stages I want to do um big things because my uh purpose behind it is that you know i want to share songs like this one with mm. as many people as possible because that will make maximum mm. impact you know like um and so yeah i think i'm i'm just at the beginning of the journey and i'll see how things go and i'll keep pushing and just live my best naruto life and yeah. not give up and,
0: <laughs> and keep going you Your know will of fire sure. yeah man well i mean it sounds to me like you're you're wanting to be more than just an artist to sort of become famous and just sort of have music i think music is the avenue you've chosen to spread a message right would that be would that be something accurate to say yeah
1: 100 yeah i mean so far my life has been pretty uh atypical like i'm not i'm kind of grain i you know so we talk about going against the grain mm. I feel like I've been reasonably grainless <laughs> I am grainless I don't know I don't know if that's a thing but uh it's a thing now man like it's, yeah, a, fa- it's, it's a thing
0: now grainless yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> well like when I think about my life so far I'm like oh yeah I went to school I uh went to France which is weird I became a teacher which is strange for a bus speaker male um and then and now I'm a stay-at-home dad and that's weird too Mm. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of just carried on into my music career and that I don't really want to be a star but I do want to spread a message like you're saying Mm. and I've definitely reached an age where my ego is like an annex stage in my life where my ego is like who cares yeah because you know like it doesn't matter if I become um, super famous I'll still come home try and give my son something, and he'll be like, no, Papa. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like that. there's that kind of yeah. place in my life where I'm like, look, I, I'm going to make this music and I'm going to continue making the music and I'm going to do it for these reasons. And mm. that's what I'm going to do. And my hope is that people gravitate towards it and yeah, see where man, go.
0: That makes sense, man. I mean, it's very similar to what I'm doing here with this podcast where it's more about... Mm. I to be honest at the end of the day I could just do this as this is my hobby right I don't I don't have any expectation that this is going to start generating you know a financial gain for me if that comes along amazing but that's not something mm, I'm pursuing mm. at the moment right yep. but I think yep. there is a way there, there is something that speaks to me about you saying you just wanting to spread a message you know just wanting to sort of reach people and mm. you're just using music as that sort of transportation as the same as me using the podcast as the sort of medium to sort of get things out there and and that's it it's a, that's such a powerful thing because i think music is one of those one of those things in life that can actually change a lot for a person right it, you know i the amount of stories i hear where a person because i work in mental health right i work in mental health and i mm-hmm. work with a lot of people who are in one of the darkest places they can be um and you know, and the amount of times I've heard people say, you know, the reason I didn't kill myself was I was listening to the song and this song just spoke to me in, in, in volumes yeah. that people couldn't even that I've spoken to psychologists I've spoke to psychiatrists. And, yeah. and this particular song just just mm-hmm. said something that I needed to hear, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. the perfect timing or, or, or the yeah. music was just exactly what they needed. But it's such a powerful tool to have because Speaking, you know, a conversation is great, right? A conversation is always great. You know, you can always as best as you can to try to get your point across and get people to understand. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about the music that really just is able to speak to you on a on a deeper level, right? On that mm-hmm. level where it's like it's almost like I don't sound too overly spiritual, but like almost like speaking Love directly to know. the soul, you know? Yeah in absolutely. a way. So that's 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 absolutely. such a an amazing avenue to take you know and mm-hmm. you know i'm um, just look just and, and look listen because uh, you've only released the half as much so far right yeah yeah, just the one single yep i know you've also sent me a list of two other songs that you've got in the pipeline yeah yeah is, is that yeah. The, two, yep. two more in the pipeline and uh it, three more actually. three three more yeah. in the pipeline so mm. you know just just and, and just looking at what you talked about because you touched a little bit about mental health in, in one of your mm. songs that's coming up do you want to yep. sort of talk about the sort of what you're trying to reach out to people in terms of that, in, in through your music?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess there's two songs that kind of touch on that. Oh, actually, all three.
0: Yeah, all three. I'm <laughs> sure they me. all do. Yeah, all three.
1: All three touch on it in a different way. So, like, one's about, um, I guess, my struggles with like social media and being addicted to it, and, mm. and that really taking over my psyche. Oh yeah. The other, the the other part is like. Which I know you've talked about on the podcast, uh, which I loved, by the way. Um, Thanks. And and the next one's like kind of identity focused, and like Mm. and how man, it's been interesting to grow up as Pasifika male Tongan guy who doesn't speak the language. Essentially, I Mm. I understand a decent amount. Mm. I understand everything to do with the home because that's where my language base was. Mm. Like, go do this, go do that, come do this, come do that. Uh, You know, everything with that. But Mm. my confidence in terms of speaking is, like, very, very low. Mm. And that's something that, like, has bothered me my whole life and um, Mm. really has affected my psyche again, in terms of how can I I call myself a Tongan man if Mm. I can't speak Tongan? How can I uh, Mm. operate in a Tongan space, uh, if I can't speak the language, and so I guess that's the that's the third mm. song off the rank, and then oh, yeah. like, and then the last one is about vulnerability, and which I think is the the one that's mainly centered um, around mental health, mm. and it's essentially a song about how important I feel vulnerability is in um, the mental health of men, especially. Mm. But also by like also women, but men, especially because I can only speak as a man mm. um, and how we can only ever like feel the most joyful joy if we um, open ourselves up mm. to feeling sad and feeling uh, destroyed by something mm. or like we have to, as men, be able to open up and share those feelings like we were talking mm. about before.
0: Mm. Mm. No, absolutely. I mean, I agree with everything you've just said in terms of being open mm-hmm. and things like that. I always have this issue, and this is nothing to do with you, but the word mm-hmm, vulnerability mm-hmm. in particular, mm-hmm. it's a word yes. that I don't, I know people use it, people have been using it these days in a very positive manner, right? You know, they're mm-hmm, using the mm-hmm, word being mm-hmm. vulnerable as sort of yeah, allowing yeah. yourself to sort of be open and things like that. I'd like to change that for myself. You know, I, I, I would mm-hmm. rather use the word brave because being vulnerable is actually not a good yeah. thing you know no the word the yeah. word vulnerable if you take it for the actual word that it actually is it's not yeah. actually a good thing i don't think it's a good thing mm-hmm. you know it's leaving yourself out for attack and leaving yourself open and, and with no defenses i think right. the word vulnerable has been used in a positive way and i'm not knocking the people using the word vulnerable for that uh, context yeah, no, uh, right uh, what you mean. but yeah, i would rather sure. have people use the word may- maybe brave as a way of yeah, of, yeah. of sort of saying Absolutely. that instead because i think it's actually more braver to be opening yourself up to new experiences, to your emotions and, and mm. having your own emotions validated and validating other people's emotions as opposed to the word, and, and I'm knocking the word, the actual word, as opposed to sort of yeah, the yeah, meaning yeah. behind it, you know what I mean? Yeah, but for sure. But everything that you mentioned, that it, that those are sort of struggles that needs to be addressed in some form mm-hmm. or some way, right? Yeah, just, for sure. Just sort of touching a little bit on the sort of the the Tongan aspect and your identity mm-hmm. side of things, yep. dude. I grew up in Tonga, and my Tongan has been less than average. You know what I mean, and mm-hmm. and the reason for that is um, growing up. Like Tongan was my first language, and that's the first language mm-hmm. I spoke. But as I went through school, it kind of got watered down, primarily yep. because the culture that I grew up in in Tonga they valued English higher than the Tongan language. You know, just talking about the Tongan yeah. language in particular. But Absolutely. the but the identity side of things, it's an interesting conversation because what actually does and I've and I've had this conversation privately and on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. actually does make someone Tongan, you know, is mm-hmm. it the language? Is it this? Is you know, wow. there's, there's yeah. not really one thing. I mean, language. I think mm. is important. I, I think you, you. I think language to a certain degree is important because you. There's certain ways of saying things where the meaning is a lot more deeper in that language as opposed to English. But mm-hmm. I think it's not the make it or break it, if you know what I mean. I think yeah, we sure. have a lot of values um, that sort of make up our, our culture and our, and our identity. Sorry, not cult, culture is different to identity. You know, yeah, they make yeah. up our identity, you know, like um, our attitude towards certain things, you know, outside mm-hmm. of outside of religion. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I think make up things, but there is a struggle, right? I, you know, yeah, and, the, for and, sure. and I see it a lot. I, there is a struggle with people feeling like they're not enough. You know, mm. you know, especially where you run into those like a uh, those Tongans from Tonga, and they like really, they're they're a special breed of people, man. Where they're they're cool mm-hmm. guys, you know, they're cool guys, but then you can't help. I think it's more of a personal belief. Like you, you sort of hang around these guys, whether it's like Dunupwaka or sort of at the Umu you know the umu pit, or you are sort of cooking or going fishing so that there's, there's a certain disconnect i think there's a certain disconnect between the tongans that grew up overseas and the tongans who grew up in tonga mm-hmm. but i think that's so minor i think that disconnect yep. is mostly language as opposed to yep. values you know yeah for sure but it, it is it's a hard one you know and and i hear what you're saying in terms yeah. of struggling with that on a day-to-day thing because you can't help yep. but feel you're not you're not tongan enough you're not Samoan enough Fijian enough because of xyz you know, and, and, 100%. and addressing that is such a big thing. I think a lot of our mental health stuff is based on our lack of like, um, a strong sense of identity.
1: Identity. Yeah. yeah, hundred you know? percent, man. Like, I think, when I think about my identity now, when, and like, as I was writing the song, it was like a therapeutic process mm. because I realized that I realized that what you're talking about is true is that, um, although I may not speak the language, i have grown up in a tongan household and there's nothing that anyone can do to take that away from me Mm. or uh devalue it Yeah, and that you know all the values that i have are tongan values and Mm. they are ones that were cultivated by my mother and and my father and so Mm. like the songs kind of talking about how i'm okay with where i am right now Mm. and who i have become and like the line that kind of uh gets me every time it's so stupid talking about my own song but um <laughs> one, one of the lines i re- ended up writing was like i can't blame the boy for who the man became um because i can't go back in time and teach myself tongan or you know like uh mm. tell myself to um respond to my mom and tongan mm. and only speak tongan when i'm at home and i can't really do that so mm. all i can do now is kind of Uh, Move forward and try and learn as much as possible, Mm. and then obviously pass it on to my my son.
0: The message sounds like acceptance, right? Accepting accepting things for what they are, and actually also maybe even accepting that you are Tongan, you know, regardless of Mm. of what what's said out there in in the, you know, in the Twitter sphere and the you know in in social media. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're Tongan and and that's because, it, and it's more than blood, you know. I think it's very difficult to say, you know, you're this because of your genetics. Because as the years mm. go on, it's getting watered down so much. We're, you know, we're sort of marrying outside of our culture. We're marrying but yep. more, we're yep. probably marrying more Palangins than we are Tongans, you know. So, you know, yeah. over time, we wouldn't be able to say, it. I think it's very dangerous that we're, you know, if some people hold it like, oh, you, you know, unless your bloodline is this and this and this, you know, you're that. But no, we need no. to be very careful about that because over time, you know, just with the world and with the borders, you know, w- once COVID settles down, knock on wood, mm-hmm. you know, once yeah, the, w- once once things start open up again, and you know, the world becoming smaller and smaller, and people sort of migrating, and moving around, you know, there's there's no there's not going to be a thing where there's like pure Tongans anymore. You know, there may be a mm-hmm. small select few. So, I think the the system that you that that is already being used at the moment and used quite strongly is moral values, right? And and sort of our, yeah, our sure. worldviews and mm-hmm. and sort of and at the end of the day, you know, regardless of language, actions speak louder than words, right? Mm. Actions will yep. always speak louder than words. So regardless of whether you speak Tongan, you can do your fatongi when you go to your the funerals, right? You can do what mm-hmm. you need to do. You don't have to say it in Tongan, you know. Yeah, the, for sure. Th- there's certain aspects of of our culture that you know words are just not enough and they say that in a lot of the speeches you know there's you know they always start off oh, this: there's, there's not enough words to express what we'd like to say but you know mm-hmm. here's a ca- here's a casual ten thousand dollars or something <laughs> you know it's a different issue in itself a different issue in no, itself no, no, yeah. Um, yeah, it. yeah, yeah yeah we'll stop we'll stop at that one <laughs> but um but you know what i mean i think i think what you're doing is inspiring i think what you're doing is amazing and it's going to r- definitely reach people on a level that is where it's needed, you know, mm. which is an emotional level. Um, can you see yep. any, any sort of, you know, like you look at all my cousins and all the people that I know and all these big busfika dudes, but, you know, as soon as that sort of, you know, whiskey lullaby comes on on the radio, you know, they're all yeah. sitting around, and they're all saying, Like so we have avenues to open emotion. And yeah. the way that you're doing it through music, maybe, mm. you know, maybe just that that key to unlock it. You know, because people love just rapping about. Oh, not rapping. Sorry, not people like making music about stupid things. You know, which is kind of why I'm not really big <laughs> into music these days. You know, like, mm. you know, you have people rapping about, you know, drugs, money. You know, all these. Yeah, you know, absolutely. what this is what I have. This is what I have. You got nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the boasting kind of music. You know, not everyone, yeah. obviously, but not everyone. But that that's the what's popular. that's what's popular right now. Mm. You know, like people like Cardi B. You know, say what you want about Cardi B. She's got, she's got definitely banging music for mm-hmm. for what for what she's trying to put out there. She's not I'm sure she's not trying to put out, you know, you know, women's rights and you know all these things <laughs> with, with her music, but but you know, I can't knock that it's not popular cuz it is, right? But I think yep. the music that you're sort of putting out there, and sorry for rambling on, nah, know, the man. music that you're putting out there is definitely something that needs to be heard. It definitely needs mm-hmm. to be done and my my sort of You know, uh, prediction is that it will reach a lot of people, man. You know, Mm -hmm. it will definitely reach a lot of people for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really hope so. I guess Mm. uh, my last six months and especially last two months leading up to the release has been really thinking about how I can make that happen. Mm. And I've realized, especially since uh, releasing the track, is that I can really only present, I can just present what I have. And um, mm. generally, if people like it, they will share it. And they, of will course, make that kind of happen for me. Mm. I can't really force anything um, in front of anyone or anyone to accept mm. um, what I'm trying to push. Yeah. So it, that brings me a lot of peace. Mm. I think initially, I got a bit stressed. And I was like, Oh, man, how am I gonna, how am I gonna spread this music? And yeah, you know, yeah. like, "How am I gonna, I'm I gonna get my streams up and all this <laughs> nonsense. And um, I just realized that actually that's not my role as a musician. Mm. And even though there are millions of ads trying to convince me that I can get my streams up on Spotify, yeah. blah blah blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. people trying to sell me strategies and all this stuff, mm. man, stuff your strategies. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make my music. Mm. I'm going to share it with people that I love, mm. and and then eventually, hopefully, that number of people that I love goes outside people that I know and from there i can kind of
0: like well it it, it can happen for sure you know Mm. you know um there's just look at people like well justin bieber is a person who only sang on on music you know who only Mm. sang on youtube sorry and then he got picked up chance the rapper self-promoted himself to stardom you know
1: pretty much man like he changed the game in terms of streaming for sure
0: yeah so i i think you can definitely get there man and and the more we sort of progress in the music scene that i see in the music scene the less need for labels there is i mean people are self-promoting so much and making their own moves and Mm -hmm. and actually the music speaks for itself right if people Mm. like it they like it they'll share it be like yo check out this this dope music that's just come out you know people word of mouth is a very powerful thing you know and and radio play will you know radio play used to be the place right Radio, you're, yep. You know, if you can get your song on radio, that was, oh, yeah, it's all up from here. You made it, yeah. You made it, but I think radio with the new streaming sites and everything that's coming out, you know, radio is becoming you know, not knocking on radio, man, it always sounds like I'm shitting on people with this podcast, man. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, man. I'm just saying. I don't know
1: if you noticed, I, I've noticed, yeah. you, you say that, you say that, that literally that sentence, like at least 10 times a podcast. I but, think I do. Like, yeah. I think, I think from now on, this is just my thing. I think you don't need to say that because um, people who have been listening to your podcast know that you're not, that's not your intention. No, and that you're just a good dude. And you just have views on certain things and that's fine. I think that's like, that's your job as a podcaster, surely. I think just that's just share, my, um, you know?
0: my, my Pacifica guilt, you know? I just want to yeah, rock man, the boat. Yeah, man, absolutely. No. You, don't, you don't want to rock the boat. You know, no, to a certain degree, I do. I think, I think there's, there's no way of, of making changes if you can't rock the boat just slightly. Yeah, you know? for sure. I don't know. For I think sure. it's funny. I think it's funny because I know people, there has been situations where people have taken what I've said out of context. So maybe it's just mm-hmm. me clarifying things, but yeah i do i do i've I've listened back to my old podcast i was like fuck i've said that like nine times like not to shit on people that should be my tagline yeah yeah i'm not shitting on people you know the thought plantation podcast i'm not shitting on people yes that that, that's that's you know
1: what you know what you're doing bro it's the thought plantation you're fertilizing that yeah you're fertilizing the soil for people to
0: grow you know like that's what exactly no no no, well well, listen the, the whole point of I'm a teacher,
1: I do a lot of analogies.
0: Yeah, about. yeah, no. Analogies are great. I mean that's the whole point mm-hmm. of, of of naming it the salt Plantation. No, you can the only way yeah, to man. sort of make it grow is to sort of cater to it, water it, care for it, and yeah. sort of And fun. also, you know, a community helps make a plantation grow, for sure. So look dude, what's next for you on the horizon, man? When are you releasing your new songs and um when when can we expect more music from you?
1: Um I think I'm about a month out potentially from my next single. And then the plan after that, I'm not entirely sure, to be mm. honest. Um, because it's on me, like I don't have a label or really anyone uh, pushing me to do mm. their bidding. Um, I can release things as I want to or as they're ready. And I think that my guess at this point is that next song is called Find Me. It's coming out in about a month's time. And until then, people can just find this one song that's there and, and enjoy it
0: um I'm yeah gonna, I'm gonna share this the shit plan. out of half as much for Thanks, sure man. no it, it's it's really good man so listen where can people find your music where they can where can they find your um your uh, social media handles and stuff like that where they can mm-hmm. sort of follow your journey through all this
1: uh yeah so literally if you just search up Joseph vea, V-E-A um you'll find me and um yeah I guess all my little, extensions are joseph t there okay is pretty easy enough um to find
0: what about your music
1: i'm on uh, my music's on all platforms and you can do the same you can search up joseph there and and i should come up and if i don't then find me on facebook and tell me because those guys trying to hide me yeah Um, (laughs) you get get (laughs) you out there yeah
0: yeah
1: Not not putting me in a search bar what the? yeah what Um, the heck (laughs) yeah man I think the, my base is kind of Facebook and and Instagram, find me on there. And, and from there, my links kind of take you where you need to go, um, wherever, what, wherever you listen to music. Oh
0: man. Brother, thank you so much for your time today. And, you know, originally I was thinking, you know, I, I had everything planned out and it was going to be a very straightforward mm-hmm. thing. But we took all these amazing detours, which I enjoyed quite greatly. And I think all my podcasts tend to take these massive detours to things that are completely unrelated to what we initially started talking about. But yeah, that's man. what that's, that's the what, joy of a podcast. That's now, the joy like. of the podcast and the joy of, yeah. of, of a good conversation, man. So exactly. listen, thank, thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you um, waking up at around eight o'clock to speak to me from the Gold Coast um thank you for bearing with me while we've rescheduled upon rescheduled upon rescheduling the time but it but listen it's it's one of those podcasts that's been worth the wait you know your message has been strong you know you've got a great personality you know your music's awesome for sure you know your music also people need to go check you out man check you out on youtube half as much he's also got a, a video clip for that as well a music video clip which is also very dope you know so definitely look that up um for this episode, you guys can find us in all the usual places. Um, we're now on YouTube, um, which is very exciting for me. More extra work, but you know, <laughs> it's it's definitely worth 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 the worth worth the extra. Extra man hours to get all this editing done. But I'm also still on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the usual streaming sites for me as well. And, and just also to reiterate, you can find Joseph Bear on all the usual streaming sites as well. Check him out on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, until then, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Malo for listening to this episode of the Thought Plantation Podcast. You can find more episodes like this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at ThoughtPlantationPodcast. We are also on Twitter at TPlantationPod. Malo opito homo kietao And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one.